Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have The Flash, starring Ezra Miller, Sasha Kale, Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Maribel Verdu, and Michael Keaton. Story by John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein, and Joby Harold. Screenplay by Christina Hodson, and directed by Andy Muschietti. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's time to do another small batch film review here, right smack dab in the middle of the summer movie season. And we alluded to, uh, we'd be jumping right back into the multiverse rather quickly. And here we are with the latest DC Extended Universe offering and one of the last, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, The Flash, yeah. uh, an oft-weighted uh, on film. You know, I've been waiting for them to make a Flash movie. You know, they've been talking about this since the 90s, early 2000s. You know, at one point, yeah. Ryan... Ryan Reynolds was attached to this project to play Wally West in a version. And this thing just could mm-hmm. like never get off the ground. Right. But you know, right. here, here we are, Ezra Miller playing uh, the titular Barry Allen. Uh, we've seen him a couple times. We've talked about him a couple times, but yeah, here's, mm-hmm. here's his film. And man, I think we got a lot to talk about today. <laughs> Boy, don't we, we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. Multiverses, DC versus future versus um, <laughs> yeah. hopefully you got something good to drink on your end, Matt. Um, like I told you over here, I'm just bottle killing left and right. Like nobody's business. Um, What's getting wiped out tonight. Yeah. So tonight we have the Evan Williams bottled and bond. Uh, this is the hundred proof. Uh, this is uh, I saw an article of the best whiskeys of the year, but like best whiskey for your value. So this is a $18 bottle of whiskey. Oh wow. Actually not bad. And yeah, we had this one on a, on a few of the episodes. Um, but yeah, bottled and bond uh, whiskey uh, is quite interesting just in terms of the process to get that specific label. Um, but yeah, this is pretty good. It packs a little bit of a punch, but yeah, not terrible. Well, I wish I could tell you that I've matched you with something that's as good as that, but since we're on vacation, it's uh, whatever bottled here. And so I guess I'm bottle killing in my own way or, or pack killing, and that's uh, got another Mike's Hard Lemonade here. So there you go. Not even a particular fan of these, but um, it's going down nice. It's kind of hot here and kind of like a summer Florida drink. So we'll go with it. Yeah. And you know, whiskey and like, you know, high humidity, really hot, you know, maybe not my first choice, but you know, I'd be killing like a mango daiquiri with some tahini on the rim. Mm, Nice. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty good, but cheers to you. Uh, I'm raising it to you from here. I drink to your leg, Matt. I drink to your leg. (laughs) And let's get this started with our flight question. Why don't you hit us with that flight question this week? So uh, if you haven't heard, then this is the time maybe you're hearing, but uh, James Gunn has taken the reins on all things DC after he concluded his last uh, version of Guardians of the Galaxy. And um, it seems like it's going to launch off with something that he's called, for now, at least Superman Legacy, but clearly what we're moving for is an extended universe that plays in the JLA space. So... Let's build a flight question around that. So this is dream cast, dream characters, okay? Okay. 
let's assume for this question that the following will be in place. That is, Blue Beetle is included because they're introducing that guy and the movie's coming out, so it makes sense he's going to be in there. Uh, I think there's already been some allusions to Jason Momoa staying as Aquaman. So you do get a cast that begins with Blue Beetle and Aquaman to start. And there probably is some discussion for Ezra Miller as The Flash, but eh, maybe that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves for the episode. So let's stick with those two, and then I'll give you your choice of four to five more characters and who you'd like to play them to round out your JLA squad. Well, I want to talk about Jason Momoa for a second because, you know, and some stuff that I've read, you know, yeah, it's we're going to talk about it a little bit later of just about the the fire sale of the past to make way for what the future is going to look like. And, you know, his name's interesting being that like, we want to keep him around, but like I couldn't find anything that said he's sticking around as Aquaman, but I did find that a character being toyed around with, are you ready for this? Uh, That they're going to keep him around to play Lobo. Actually, could see that. I don't. I don't want to see Lobo, but I. I really could see that. Yeah, visually, like the look wise, but like uh, in a movie. I mean, like we're scraping barrels now. But as Boy, far as kidding. was, I was able to decipher in just reading things. I think Aquaman's finished. I mean, uh, I don't see yeah. a version where like yeah. James Wan and the Trench is going to continue. Like I, this is like a full slate kind of reboot and. So I say all that just to say I did not include Aquaman on my list. Okay. <laughs> but I did. I'm sure the team will survive without him. Yeah, sure. Uh, but I did include uh, Blue Beetle, uh, played by our our favorite from, from Cobra Kai, Miguel from Cobra Kai. I, I think that's interesting. We'll have to wait and see how that film plays out. But he kind of p- uh, puts, you know, he's like a little Peter Parker Iron Man, Spider-Man, young teen addition to uh, the lineup, which I could definitely see. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, my team just kind of ended up just by the nature of the DC powerhouse. They're all very powerful, right? I mean, this is why we really need to do, like, my Legion of Doom film, which is each one of these guys has to, like, fight their own person, right? Like, uh, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just, just uh, on, on the power level. So going all the way up, uh, or maybe I'll start at the, start at the top down. Um, of course, we've got to have Superman in here. Who's playing him? Uh, I'm going with an unknown. Uh, hard to kind of envision who's going to step into those shoes. Uh, of course, i got to get Batman in this thing. And in the nature of keeping things nice and clean and crisp, we need to stop screwing around with having four different Batman floating around. I mean, I think it works in this film because of the nature of the story, but this needs to be Pattinson. They need to find a way to fold in what they're doing there into this new thing. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going with The Flash, uh, but uh, based on, you know, Ezra Miller's, you know, personal life and legal troubles, I think he's out regardless of what they say. And you know what? Give me Grant Gustin. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a new Wonder Woman in here. Gal Gadot says she's done. She's out. Uh, we weren't too kind on Wonder Woman 84. Not really her fault, but the story's fault, but... Uh, and give me, uh, this is the girl that I was, uh, crushing on when we did our Morbius episode, but, uh, Hispanic actress, Adria Aronja, I think would be a terrific, uh, casting in that part. Yeah. Uh, I, I want, um, Green Arrow in this iteration. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick playing Green Arrow. Yep. 
And then I think Good I'll t- uh, yeah, I th- and then I think I'll take uh, established in this film, uh, Supergirl played by Sasha Kali. So kind of see how that dynamic could work with a Superman uh, side by side. Um, yeah, right. um, but that's my lineup. Uh, that that kind of makes the most sense. Uh, there's some, you know, necessities that you have to have in that team. Um, you know, I thought about putting Green Lantern in here, but I'm like, oh man, now I got uh, it's just now my team's too powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you got? I'm dying to hear yours. So we have some of the same ones. We do have one big notable difference in that on my team, there is no Superman. Oh, okay. Uh, for this, what you, for the reasons you just said, he's just so powerful. I mm-hmm. think once you get in there with that, it takes a lot of the worry that the audience has out of it. We've talked a lot about Superman and the problem, just how powerful it is. So I'm going to go without, but I'll take it from the top down too. So, I'm going to go with a uh, female that you're quite fond of and the titular role of Wonder Woman that's Anna Darmus. Yeah, that's that's um, that's great. Great casting. And then my lead, I guess my lead male in this, I'm going to go with Mr. Chris Pine as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, I think that um, no more the ski- heist no- might be a little bit of a challenge, but I think he's got the chops to pull it off. And, I, I, you know, we keep saying it with him, right? Like, sooner or later, that guy's going to hit gold. I mean, really, really hit gold. Yeah. I guess no more Steve so, Trevor for him then, right? No, no, no more. <laughs> uh, then I am actually going to go to the world of the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, but I'm going to go a little color in my green lantern, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And I want something that's been off discussed and I think it's been on and off and on and off. And I think it's off again now, but I want Michael B. Jordan in the role of John, uh, Jonathan Stewart. That'd be pretty great. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, he certainly has always been a favorite of mine since his early work with Chronicle. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a matter of time until he's able to kind of land that sort of role. And I, I don't know what he's done that I haven't liked, frankly. Yeah. He's just a terrific actor. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the next one I think you and I shared the same on, and that is uh, Mr. Grant Gustin playing the role of Flash. It seems like such a no-brainer, right? I mean, there's nine seasons of history there with a character that's already been established if you need to recast your lead actor because he's not fit for society or the film industry, go with who's familiar, right? Yeah, right. Right. I think the other thing, too, that comes with him is all of this stuff that's on the CW. And I'm not trying to say that his rogues gallery would be awesome for a movie. I'm not saying that at all. But I think Star Labs and some of that other stuff does provide an alternative to having to do everything mm-hmm. in the back case. Yeah. Right? And I think in, in that case of me, including Kim, uh, let's start clean. You know, I know he was on the show. I'm just plucking the actor from the show. We don't have to reference anything that really happened there. Uh, we, yep. ju- we just know he yep. can play the part, right? Yes. Last one for me is a little controversial, but I think it could be really good. And Ho- that's Hawkman. Mm, I didn't go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Plas- I'm going to give Jane Franco a crack at the silver screen again. I'm going to give James Franco a crack at the silver screen again. Okay. And I want him to play Nightwing. Okay. So I know we're playing in the Titan space there, and he kind of has his own team. But anybody that is offered a role in the JLA is going to take it. So I think that is an interesting potential. Now, the argument I'm having with myself with the James Franco kind of resurrecting his career story. Do I want to put him as Nightwing or Green Arrow? 
Ah, and so I kicked the tires on that. So I'm going to give myself an honorable mention. I am going to put Green Arrow in this, but I'm going to go with our boy Miles Teller in the role of that. Okay. Pretty good. I think we have some nice cast here. I hope James Gunn is listening because he'll have an idea what he wants to do going forward if he just listens to this simple podcast. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, cheers to your list. Cheers to your list. We'll have to be patient and wait with bated breath to see which direction they eventually go down. But let's get to the nitty-gritty of it, what everyone's here for. Let's get to our review breakdown of The Flash. You lost both parents in one day. Barry! I went back in time to save my parents. But instead, I completely broke the universe. If you went back and changed the past, this world must die. You changed the future. Do you know what this symbol stands for? It means hope, right? Hope you like that. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I have to undo what I did. Those scars we have make us who we are. I'm about to go back and fix them. Don't let your tragedy define you. What did you do? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, they just make trailers like way too good nowadays. Like it just mm-hmm. hear, hearing all of that, hearing getting to your Keaton go, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. And then you have this sweeping music and people yelling and fighting. And it's just visually stunning. I was just like, oh, like as a, if I was a little kid seeing that, I'd get so excited to go see this little flash movie. Uh, yeah. But uh Matt, I've been dying to discuss the opening of this film with you since I saw this yeah. film a week ago. Uh, let's dive right in, head first. Uh, the Flash starts out kind of, uh, kind of gets in a little late. You know, last time we saw Barry Allen Flash was after Zack Snyder's Justice League. I guess he's going to be the guardian of Central City um, and get into some Justice League adventures here and there. Uh, but we catch him, you know, he's trying to get his, you know, little morning breakfast from his usual barista, but his usual barista isn't there. So this other guy has to make it. And I guess it's going to take him 10 minutes to make this avocado toast. Like what is, what's he, what's, what's going on there? Right. But then he gets a call from Alfred had no idea Jeremy Irons was going to be in this film. And I guess this is the swan song for Jeremy Irons as Alfred. So I guess I raise it up to you, Mr. Irons. You were actually a, a pretty decent part of this DC universe. Uh, and he calls him and tells him, hey, Master Wayne needs you. And he's like, oh, really? I'm late for work. Like, c- come on. Like, what's what's going on here? Uh, so he suits up. And I think what's really cool, I think for the first time, and this is very Flash comic, his suit comes out of his little ring. What, what, what do you think of that? I like that, right? I mean, it's whether it's a phone booth or a cowl or whatever, costumes are obviously important, but there is a question you have to answer. Like, where are you going to strip down and change? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the one myth they've made with the, the 
suit in the ring is the technology that the Flash would have to master to take a non-friction combustible suit that is that shrinkable to be stored in a ring. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of science that goes into that. I don't really know if that's the role that the Flash plays, but... I think it's a chance to expand the horizons on him a little bit. I mean, you could get rich selling that material to some company. (laughs) That's for sure. Here's a suit that could fit in your ring, fit in your back pocket, and then you just strip and put it on. But, you know, he's got, I guess, a posse or fangirls out there, and they, like, you know, the reason he wants breakfast is because I think something that's paid very close attention to in this film in particular, which is how fast his metabolism is, being that he's running at Mm -hmm. the speed of light, so... He needs to eat, have some sort of sustenance and energy. So they throw him a candy bar and he chomps it down, suits up. And it's, I really like this, you know, because you're like, yeah, he's in Central City and Bruce is calling him from Gotham. So of course he has to get there on his feet. I kind of like this little traversal travel from his town to Gotham City. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, Building the space that we kind of exist in is important because I think, Without some geography in the world, uh, it gets to be a little too, some of the argument we have like intergalactic and there's just no, no time doesn't matter. Like how long did it take you to get from A to Z? So if Gotham is car travelable by Batman, then at least you kind of have an idea proximity wise of like where they can be in relationship to each other. And I think that's important. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he gets there, and then th- th- this is where it really starts going. So, you know, he, Bruce is telling him about, you know, this is Albert Falcone, uh, which I thought was a pretty pretty deep pool, right? I mean, I know that character yeah. specifically from my favorite Batman graphic novel of all time, which is Batman The Long Halloween, uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, yeah. So I guess they're just trying to stop him. He's still in something? That it's, I don't even know if that's even really told to, like, they're robbing something, and they set off a bunch of bombs, and this hospital's about to just go right into the ground. Uh, Batman exits his little, his little bat night flying fox, whatever the hell he called that that flying monstrosity. And so he's he's in pursuit of Falcone and the Falcone boys in I think an interesting little blue and gray suit, which we've never really seen the blue and gray on screen before in Batman, you know, that's kind of Adam West 70s super friends, Batman colors, right? Yeah. The only problem here with Mr. Affleck is, you know, I, I, I feel bad for the guy. Cause if there's anyone that does not want to be in this film and let's kind of talk about him for a little bit, it's him, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's barely fitting into this suit. He's, he's really puffy in it. And then they obviously filmed his, alleyway scenes with Barry a little bit later where he slimmed down again mm-hmm. but then almost looks so gaunt and just sickly and man you can tell he just it's an obligation I'll say I'll do it for continuity but I think he was done a few movies ago yeah uh, maybe the way back or whatever that basketball film is where he's the alcoholic coach, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty good yeah maybe that might have been sort of towards the end and you know what? Honestly, I get it. Yeah. I mean, he's probably exhausted with the industry. And then for the roles that he's been casting lately, having to go through these ridiculous body breakdown, body buildup cycles, 
has just got to be such a pain. And frankly, if Ben Affleck never does another thing in film again, I don't know if he's going to have a ton of regrets. Mm-hmm. Won a couple Oscars, highly regarded, highly panned. Like, he's run the gamut. Acted, <laughs> highly directed, regarded and, and highly panned. <laughs> you know, I mean, depending what yeah. film you want to look at. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's the article that we, we talked a little bit about off mic where mm-hmm. he just said, I'm tired of being sweaty. I'm tired of having these long days. Um, he's and, kind of sounding like the man that just wants to go home and be with his family and sit home with his wife who never wants to leave the house and get in front of the camera or whoever he's dating at the time. Cause I know JLo is, you know, so averse to being in front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and who knows if that, that being said, and who knows if that's even going to last. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. You can see that you're right. It's all over. And like, he would rather be anywhere else in the world. He'd yeah. maybe back on the set of Jersey Girl, then he would be. Like, oh, geez, yeah, that's a, that's a low time. Uh, yeah, and the thing is, is his his Batman is just so uninteresting. Uh, yeah. All the films he's been in, they're not great, and then they they just written a really angry older Batman, and we just kind of don't know why. We kind of just go with it. Uh, and yeah, and then the guy looks bored doing it too. Um, if these films were coming out and people were loving them, like if he was the Robert Downey Jr of this universe and everyone's lauding his performance and all these films are great. Yeah. He's probably going to be having a great time like our DJ did, but yeah, yeah, not, not the case here. And he's going to go out with the whimper here. Like when he's flying around and they're like dragging him in the back of this truck, like Indiana Jones and he's flying around trying to just, you know, save his life. I mean, that's the epitome of Batman in this very super powered world. that kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I think they do a much better job with Keaton a little bit later in the film, but we'll, we'll get to him. But say la vie, uh, Mr. Affleck, I'm raising one up to you. We're just saying goodbye to all these characters left and right. Yep. Goodbye. But we got to get back to the flash. Okay. So we'll get back to Batman here in just a second, but the flash has to save this hospital. That's going to collapse to the ground, the East wing or, or, or whatever. I don't know who puts the maternity ward on the tippy top floor of a hospital. That kind of seems like a bad idea. A right. And then I don't know, Matt, I don't know who the hell wrote this scene. And then once they shot it and then once they rendered the graphics, how it didn't get pulled at three different times. These babies fly out of this window. I'm not, I'm not joking. People, they fly (laughs) out of this window, about 20 of them. And yep. they're falling down to the earth. The maternity ward nurse, she flies out the window. A service animal who just happens to be there, he's flying out the window too. And then we slow down time. Uh, so Barry, he hasn't eaten, remember? He had a candy bar, but in order to do this super feeding speedster, he's got to carb up and energize up. So he, he microwaves a burrito, and then he catches one of the babies and puts it in the same microwave after he's eaten the burrito. And Matt, I got to tell you, just we're going to talk about the effects a lot a little bit later, but man, these babies look horrid. Horrible. Like they, Horrible. they, they there's no texture to them, there's no volume, and the problem is this is like bright daylight. They can't even hide it with some intricately, you know, done shadow. They look like gel. They look they look so phony and he's saving these babies, giving them God knows what kind of whiplash. Uh, saves the nerds, puts them all on a gurney, and lands with all of them. And uh, I got to tell you, it, had it not been for, hey, I'm going to see Keaton in about an hour, this is cause for getting up and walking out of the movie. 
it was that bad for you, really? Yeah, just tonally. I was just like, I was like, this is like some sort of schlock comedy now. I was like, how do they not expect us not to laugh at everything taking place right now? The burrito eating, the baby saving, the babies in the microwave. Yeah, this was, this was, it was pretty rough, Matt. Uh, I can't disagree with any of that. I, I don't know why you would choose babies. Look, the whole point is not to really show babies falling and up the stakes of what needs to happen. It's to showcase the powers of the Flash and his speed. This is just this is just an opening. Yeah, let's slow down time this, this, with, with him yeah. sa- uh, saving the gas pipe from exploding or something. Right. Any number of things. A couple nurses would have been fine. It didn't need to be babies. What? It's hard not to see babies falling through the air that are CGI rendered like that and not snicker and laugh. And if, when you do that, yeah. then you're disarming what you're trying to build at the beginning, which is unless you're making a B schlocky comedy superhero film. Yeah. And that's a lot. You're making your, your job harder. It's a long way back from that to something that looks legitimate, Jesse. And yeah, we making, I guess su- I'm agreeing with you. I, I wasn't ready to walk out um, yeah. <laughs> regardless of the Keaton appearance or not, but it was, it was bordering on absurd, if not bordering and at least fully submerged in the absurd. Yeah, are we making Superman 3 or are we making The Flash here? I mean, I'm ready for Richard Pryor to come out and do a bit. Uh, and I just I just kind of thought, I was like, oh, gosh, like, babies following the thing. I was like, this is kind of in bad taste. Like, there, there's just something off-putting about that whole scene. But ladies and gentlemen, yep. let's move on. He saves them all. Yep. It's whatever. And then, uh, you know, Batman's about to... He, he's, he's got Falcone on the edge of this bridge, but if one of these vials that they've stolen gets into the water supply, Alfred says everyone in Gotham will die in 20 minutes. And I'm like, here we go, getting a little too big for Batman again, right? Right. And luckily, um, entering the next cameo, he's pulled up by the Lasso of Truth from Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a nice kind of interesting banter here. I mean, you know, this was a day of filming for Gal Gadot, right? Uh, oh, yeah. But, you know, Bruce has this lasso wrapped around him, and, you know, he starts just spouting off the truth, all his existential dreams and nightmares, and I thought that was pretty funny. And then it gets on Barry, and then he just blurts out that he's a virgin, and he thinks he imagines what sex might be like. I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty funny. I agree. That was a good moment. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, say goodbye to Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, her final appearance, and what a send-off it is, Matt. <laughs> well, we spent 15 minutes finishing the prolific careers of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Ben Affleck as Batman. I'm not trying to be snarky about that. I am. Just like that, <laughs> with one stroke of a pen, yeah. laid out or interior to exterior on the next scene, it's just over. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin's not kidding. That is it. Gal Gadot is out. She's not back. She's gone. There's no more Gal Gadot as a Wonder Woman. Yeah. You have seen her brandish her last golden lasso of truth as Wonder Woman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then All right, James Gunn. We got, you got big plans, buddy, because that's a big, big, big let go. You just let go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We'll talk a little bit about that later. I have a great analogy for you of kind of what the whole James Gunn situation looks like. Um, you can kind of see it both ways. Uh, and we got to talk about Henry. Does it look like the Titanic? Uh, does it look like the Titanic? It doesn't look like the Titanic. It might look like a troubling sports franchise. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
But we got to talk about Henry Cavill's real quick because uh, the reason Superman can't go say Bruce is because he's trying to stop a volcano from erupting. And you get uh, <laughs> Superman, Henry Cavill on the news shooting lasers at a volcano. Ladies and gentlemen, raise it up. Say goodbye to Henry Cavill. This is his swan song. Tim's gonna not wasting any time, is he? Oh man, talk about you know you know pull the plug like you're like starting a mower. Like he's just like this thing was on life support. All all all, all euthanasia. All the the Zack Snyder castings. Mm-hmm. Wild. Um, yeah, it's done. It's and done. I can see it. And you know, from you know, I can see both perspectives. As in, like, ah, I think maybe a better fitting finale was probably what we saw in Zack Snyder's Justice League for those characters. Um, here it's just an obligation, but it's none well, of the, the other, the other thing ahead, too that I think worth posing question on that is would it be better to kill him because then you have you know reasonable deniability into why they're not in the film's mark because all three of them were killed. Okay, the problem with that is script wise mm-hmm. that makes that villain far, far, far too powerful for the Flash. Yeah, and secondarily. If you take those three out immediately, that is your Batman, your Wonder Woman, and your Superman, I'm not sure what your JLA looks like on the other side. Maybe kind of like the Avengers in Marvel right now. Um, oh, but Matt, I can so just you, I can just pluck those characters from any timeline that I see so fit. <laughs> ah, but you stole the words from my mouth too yeah. quickly. I said, until we introduce the multiverse. Yeah. And lo and behold, if you don't like that Batman, that Wonder Woman, or that so-and-so... Hey, take your pick. Just take a left turn <laughs> at, at the Cosmos and jump to Earth-17 and get a new one. Yeah. I mean, they, they could have done the killing off of these characters like later on in the film when the time re-erasing, unerasing gets really messy. I mean, Barry could have just erased that timeline of, from existence, right? Yep. Erased all those characters out of there. And, hey, that's kind of a cool story-wise story way to reboot your cinematic universe i'd be okay with that yeah me too unfortunately this is this is kind of it and we just gotta look the other way with uh continuity on this one but continuity continuity be damned you say (laughs) yeah but it's none of their films it's the flash's film and then we kind of get to the heart the root of all of this stuff going on here and i think this is one of the strengths of the film which is why Barry is so obsessed with the speed force and wanting to travel back in time. And it's a part of, you know, the flash's origin story, I think done really, really well in the flash television show, uh, which is the murder of his mother. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here we're introduced uh, to his parents. Uh, one of them played, I told you off Mike jokingly, did we trade down when we went to Ron Livingston over Billy Crudup? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, we did. It's a bit of it's a bit of a trade down. I I, I noticed it in a in a few different uh, ways, but he Billy Crudup only really got to film a scene behind some glass in prison in the Justice League films. Um, yeah, but you know Barry, I guess when he's not fighting crime, is uh, willing to go back through the Speed Force and relive old memories of how you know what it was like to cook dinner with mom, and they have a pretty cool, cute relationship. But then he goes back to the day she died and almost in a way trying to see, decipher if he can do anything, change the future or change the past. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of all that? How do you think the, the film handles, you know, this particular, I guess, our inciting incident of the film? I think it's done pretty well. Uh, 
he, he's obviously torn up about it. And we have to have that moment with all our superheroes, the, the moment the superhero is born, if you will, or the reason why being a superhero turns them into superhero versus supervillain. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that Barry Allen, my mom passed away and my dad's in jail because of it is as overplayed as some of maybe the Batman stuff has been. Oh, de- um, definitely not. It's getting close though. I mean, it's not like it's, it's got a ways to go, but if th- at this point you're not familiar with that part of the story and dad's in jail and all those things, I, I just don't know if we have to play catch up. And so that, that's a question I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. If you are, let's say 12, 13 years old now, okay. and you're just now getting to the point where mom and dad are letting you maybe see superhero films or harder PG 13 films, if you will. Okay. Does it matter that they're not caught up on all the past continuity to you? Do we need to spend the time to get them caught up or can we just move forward? What do you think about that? I mean, I think we need it as geeks and nerds. Uh, I think we need this, but I'll give you a great example of Batman 89, you know, in that version, you know, Jack Nicholson, the Joker kills Batman's parents, which is kind of far from the truth of how it really plays down. And as a kid, yeah. I didn't care. I mean, I was entertained just watching the Batwing attack the parade float. So from a yeah. kid's perspective, if we're trying to bring in that audience, yeah, who cares what kills the Flash's mom and why he's going back in time? It can be a lot simplified. It can be doesn't even need to be really shown as, as detailed as it is in this film. But for, man, these hardcore geeks, man, you better be showing this scene. Did you recognize uh, Mom? Uh, no. Have I seen her in something? E2 Mama Tambien and holy, holy shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, she's uh yep. why is her name escaping me right? But but she's the she's the woman that they're in love with. Yep. Oh, good pull, Matt. Thanks. Yeah, so you know, he's what he's trying he's going back and revisiting versions of the past to see, and I'll tell you, we'll tell the audience right now, this is a mystery that goes unsolved in this film. The film ends and we still don't know who killed Flash's mom, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, that that leaves us something to go forward with. Yeah. yeah oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns into a murder mystery. I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure. Look back in the timeline. He couldn't have, of all the universes and different times he's going to go to, he couldn't have stopped to see who did it. But I guess it doesn't matter. It's a cool way um, to introduce reverse Flash into your film. There you go. Yeah. Yep. But I wish so, you hadn't. I wish you hadn't said that, and I'll tell you why at the end of the show. That's so, okay. <laughs> sorry, 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 Matt. Uh, so he's doing that, and on the side, you know, he's working at Central City Police Department in the Cam Lab. Uh, he kind of uh, seems like a bit of a joke, right, with his peers, you yeah. know, the police people, because he's spending so much time trying to find the evidence that's going to get his dad out of prison, and that almost seems like a failed failed effort on on his part. Mm-hmm. You know, and even though Bruce looks very sickly and sad in that scene, I think he tells him some interesting advice when he says, Bruce, I can go back into the past. I can fix things. I could even bring your parents back from the dead. And there's a moment. It's like kind of like a beat that you'd write like a beat in the screenplay, right, Matt? Is Yeah. He thinks about it, I think, for a couple seconds on a what if. I could send Barry back to not have Martha and we could avoid that whole nonsense. And he thinks about yeah. it for a second. And I find that as a Batman fan, 
interesting that this whole life, everything, being a crime fighter, I might have been able to have a regular life. But then I think he backs down from that and goes, Barry, we can't change the past. You could destroy everything, which is kind of what almost happens in this movie. Our scars make us who we are, right? Great line, isn't it? Yeah, you can't undo that. It's great coming from Batman, too. I think he's the one that would... Not that none of these other characters have trauma. I mean, Cyborg was torn apart by God knows what by Miles Dice or trying to be put back together by Miles Dyson. Uh, But it's a good line from him. I think it puts his whole timeline in perspective on alternate futures. But at the end of the day, the responsible person, and I wish, you know, they gave him more stuff like this in these uh, films where he's played Batman. Yeah, that's wise, sagely advice that he's obviously going to ignore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously he's going to ignore it on the side here you know he's trying to kind of schmooze iris west this is kind of the flash's love interest from you know the comics the show uh last time we saw her matt uh (laughs) he was getting uh flying hot dog wieners out of her face (laughs) careful hey what was worse was it the flight what the flying wieners worse or the flying babies worse Ooh, boy. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with babies. Okay, yeah. I think I'm going to go baby too, but man, those wieners, and that was that a good idea. Like, are they having a hard time writing Flash action bits? Because I could probably rattle off 20, like, right now of, like, what the Flash should do in an action scene. Well, right, all you have to do is look at how Marvel handed Quicksilver. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. In that one end, uh, when he saves the X-Mansion from blowing up, those were both great. Awesome. Yeah. Right. It's real simple. To, and that's what we want to see. Mm-hmm. I don't need flying babies. I don't need descending wieners. Um, I, I, if you're going for the comedic stick, then sure, go for it. But I just, that's not the time nor place. I think his, his banter is probably quick witted enough to play in the humor element. If you're hitting that. And for as much as we've been hard on DC about them all being too morose, at least mm-hmm. give him credit for trying to be, have a little bit of levity here. It's just uh, it, it, they misplaced. Went, it's just misplaced. A little bit of levity, but they like went too far in the wrong direction. They need to like wheel it back somewhere in the middle, and I think they would have tonally some good balance. Yep. Uh, but I agree with you. We we get to this big moment in the film, right? I mean, and he's trying to he's trying to schmooze her. Uh, Batman's given him, you know, some alternative like hacked files that he's been working on to help try and prove his dad's innocence. But unfortunately in that camera footage, the dad doesn't look up. So it's, you can't prove in court that he was at the store when mom was getting murdered. Right. Uh, and you know, the Iris stuff is going nowhere. There's some good comedy bits there where he's got to go clean up his apartment. And then like the second they walk in, all the crap falls in onto the floor. That was, that was pretty good. And then he forces shimmies. Uh, I can't remember what he calls it in the movie, but I'm going to call it the force, sh- uh, a speed shimmy. Where he goes into the other into his neighbor's apartment to steal some beers and then shimmies out and the guy in the background's like, "Hey, what the hell?" Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. You see, like some of this stuff works for me, and I told you off mic when we were talking about, you know, just general thoughts on the Flash. I, I told you I'd be lying if I this movie didn't make me chuckle, specifically Ezra Miller's, you know, antics. Well, um, I guess some of the directorial decisions maybe are then what need to be brought into play, Jesse, because if you're saying that it can be done when it's not so heavy handed and in your face, 
and then when they're trying a little too hard with flying wieners and, and babies descending, and I'm not even entirely certain that's supposed to be a comedic bit, mm-hmm. but uh, those are directorial decisions. And again, there are plenty of good directorial decisions in there, but I think there are some mistakes made in what we're allowing to be shot and allowed to make it to the editing room. Um, and those might be two prime examples of it because like you said, he mm-hmm. does have enough stuff. Yeah. That's just naturally funny enough. Cause he does sort of play for all of his, his oddness in his life. It's a nice way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, he does play goofy. Well, he, he does play goofy and awkward pretty well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awkward. for. And sure. I think he's done that from the be from the beginning when we first met him, mm-hmm. um, in whatever the justice, whatever justice league film, I forget what that was called with, uh, yeah, the weed with league. Batman in the yeah. Batcave. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. weed yeah. league. Yeah. Uh, so just let it be just, you cast him cause you like him and you cast him cause you like that version of his character. Mm-hmm. Again, nothing to, it's not, not deal breaking, but, um, maybe a directorial error. I think in that. But here's something that that worked pretty well for me in this story, and it reminded me a lot of Inception, which was, you know, mm-hmm. Barry, the, he kind of determines, you know, in his head that, you know, if we just had that green canned pasta sauce, my dad never would have gone to the store, he wouldn't be in jail, and my mom wouldn't be dead because he'd be there to stop some assailant. But not if it's the reverse flash, people. <laughs> I don't know. How yeah. you, I don't know how you how you stop that 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 catastrophe. But he goes to the the supermarket. He goes a little bit before that incident, and I think has a pretty touching moment. Um, or and it's gonna be better uh, at the end of the film. But his way to fix this very Inception like like we're going to do this heist and we're just gonna plant this little pinwheel to remind Killian Murphy of this memory, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. We're just placing a simple thing of pasta sauce here. And now he's going to go back to the present and have a completely altered existence, right? Right. So nice fixed and, it all. Nice and fixed si- it all. Yeah, yeah. Fixed it all nice and simple. But when he's toying around here in the Speed Force and kind of, and real quick, we got to do it because I, I want to get all the VFX bashing out of the way as quick as possible. Matt, what the hell's going on in the Speed Force with the memory things? Like, the, the, these guys look like they're out of, of a PS2 game. Weird, wasn't it? And I read what Andy Muschietti said in in the press this week doing interviews saying it was intentionally supposed to look like that because, you know, it's moving so fast to be the Flash's vision. I think that's a bad cover for these VFX guys had did not have enough time to make this properly. Well, I mean, that's a whole other issue, too, because we've talked about that with Marvel and the VXF team that they assemble to make their films and then give them five minutes to do it. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's weird though about that is as much time as we're going to spend in the speed force and as important as it is to the way the movie plays, mm-hmm. boy, that has to really land, doesn't it? Like you have to land that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a visually stunning moment that could really pop on the big screen, especially large format theaters of like this. It's almost like, um, I don't know how you kind of viewed it, but it kind of almost looked like a Coliseum arena to me. Yeah. Yeah. And with like tiered seating and each seating was kind of like the memories like playing out, like in some sort of like VCR replay mode. And man, when these people are moving, man, the mom look made of like, she was clay. I was like, is this claymation? Like what, what is, what is happening here? And it's a little bit better towards the end of the film with some really great uh, cameo moments. I think those looked really good. But these ones, I, Barry's like blowing out a birthday cake, and I was like, "That looks like ass." <laughs> but hey, let's get let's get let's would get. Would it be better? Go ahead. Would you like it better 
if it wasn't why can't it sort of why can't like it like life like life like animate a stills why can't it be real why can't those be real scenes of them acting it out right yeah yeah I, yeah. yeah, just have them, like, they actually film those scenes so they have living, breathing humans, like, reenacting those little moments, and then you can run that through the computer. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Here's the other thing, too, is he's running through the speed force that time and learning how to go back into time. Mm-hmm. It's confusing for you and I to see exactly where the jump back in point is to fix those things. Mm-hmm. And how the hell do you know? I mean, he's just as new to this as you and I are. Yeah. How can you be certain that that was the right time to jump in with the can of tomatoes to save mom? Yeah. And if you jump in at the wrong time, then you're creating a larger butterfly effect. So yeah, that whole speed force bit with the images, whether they're images or or stills or CGI or however the hell they want to do it, Mm -hmm. you have to land that. Yeah. I don't think they entirely missed the mark. Yeah. Um, No, later. There's some great moments later. But our introduction to that has got to be slow enough <laughs> in the flash movie for us slow witted individuals to process exactly what's going on. Not so busy that I'm trying to see 15 different images all at the same time. Yeah. Slow down, right? Give me some delineation with date and time as he's running. Yeah. Have him run on a clock. I don't care. Like dude, there's any number <laughs> of things you could do. Yeah. Like if the floor of that base is, is clock-like or calendar-like, um, you know, not to get too Salvador Dali or anything like that. I'm not saying hey, that. But hey, I'm down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to give me something more than just like these, these random stills that are all just mere moments, if even that, from the one next to it. Yeah, it and looked, you have to know where the entry point is. I don't buy that. Yeah, it looked very Dr. Strangey to me, but it's even done yeah. better in those movies. Uh, yeah. and before you know, everyone's like, oh man, Jesse's always complaining about VFX. They look terrible. Like, yeah, it's true. And because your movie costs $200 million, this should look better than this does. Like, where's this money going? Look, man, that's a fair criticism in a science fiction film. The VFX effects have to kill. Like that's, yeah. that's like saying I went to this romance and I didn't, I didn't buy the romance. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That's, that's fair. You went for the car chase in a romance movie like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Anybody's yeah. thinking that criticism, it's okay <laughs> to be critical of the movie that is advertised in a particular space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, and the slasher horror stuff, those, those, those slasher moments really didn't do much for me. Well, then the movie maybe didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's fair. Yeah. If you, you are but what the, you, but the sure looks good. It, yeah. No one cares, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, that's a fair criticism. <laughs> but, but, hey, Matt, so far Batman has not looked good in this movie. So. No, he has not. <laughs> Uh, but he goes to the, okay, so he goes and does the thing with the tomato can, and then this specter, fast-moving, crag-like being just comes out of nowhere yeah. and punches him in the face, knocks him right out of the speed force into some random timeline, and I thought, honestly, I thought, like, the movie was going on for quite a while, and I was like, did the movie forget about that moment that happened where he got punched out of the speed force? It definitely comes back, and I think the reveal's pretty cool. I did too. But so when I saw it, my daughter was sitting next to me and we're both fans of the flash show. Okay. And she kind of leaned over and said, dad, is that Savitar? And I thought that's really good. I I said, honey, I don't know. I kind of doubt it, but maybe, Mm -hmm. but I think that introducing that character and piquing the interest of an almost 11 year old in that way was for as hard as we've been on the speed force and the issues there, Mm -hmm. that was a really good moment. And he looked cool. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of scary. Mm hmm. So kind of wondering, like, what was that all about? 
he punches him right out into essentially a kind of a fish out of water movie, right? A kind of kind yeah, of twofold yeah. in a uh, in a a zapping a powers way. We're gonna get to that in a second, and then mm-hmm. in and then in Barry two I guess we'll call him for the podcast, who's a total doofus, and he kind of has to catch him up on like this is what I did, but he can't tell him the big thing, right? Right. Yeah. I came back in time and, you know, him and mom get to have a hug for the first time in 15 years. It's a nice, sweet moment. Dad comes in, but, you know, they're talking to their son like, you could got a haircut and how are you doing in school? You're usually a slacker and real Barry 1.0 has got it a little bit more put together compared to this version. Yeah. But yeah, he sees him like coming in with the trash, walking all kind of doofus like, and he just he goes and gets him, and he's like, "Okay, I gotta, I guess, break a big rule of time travel, which is don't talk to your present or your version self." Right? Were you worried when we introduced the new two point Flash that we were going to spend too long watching him get acclimated with his set of powers and forget like there was a story to be told with the bad guys? Were you worried about that at all? I don't know if that, I don't think that was like a worry for me. I was worried. I was like, okay, I can hardly stand one Ezra Miller. Now I got two. Like, yeah. But I do have to say, okay, we're going to talk about the VFX again. It looked like he had a twin in this film. Like, that looks yeah. good. That, like, and I've seen the, the photo stills with the stand in actor who doesn't look like Ezra Miller. Uh, they yeah. did a good job of putting his face on that actor, uh, a la uh, Social Network with the Winklevite twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought that looked pretty good. Uh, so it wasn't a worry for me. Um, again, I got I got Batman coming to me in about thirty minutes. So you know, I'm still I'm still on board with the film. I'm still on board with the film. But my worry was, you know, two Ezra Millers might be a, a step away from an insufferable. Yeah, I'll give him credit though. You know what they managed to do really well with both of those Ezra Millers is allow 1.0, the original Flash, to still remain goofy but in more of an advisory role yeah and then take flash 2.0 and make him equally goofy but in a different way mm-hmm. that second 2.0 guy is kind of sweet goofy mm-hmm. uh like puppy like little lost puppy naive sweet dumb whereas the first guy first the original flash mm-hmm. first Ezra miller his awkwardness and goofiness, just his general lack of social norms. Um, I think, and whether that just played out well through Ezra Miller's talent or whether that was crafted on the, on the page, I guess what I'm trying to say is they both played awkward well and differently. And I don't think that's easy because it's the same guy playing the same character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to give some credit there. I think Ezra Miller and the work of the VXF company with the work of the script writers and the dialogue coaches, all those things made those guys similar, but yet very different as they were still similar. Yeah. I think that, I think that's fair. Uh, you take kind of a look around his room. It really cracked me up because he had like movie posters for inception. I am legend, yeah. uh, V for yeah. vendetta, a few other films. Cause this is supposed to be like circa 2011, 2012 when man of steel. Cause Zod, the Zod and the Zod boys are coming here in a bit. That's right. I was like, Oh my God, this looks like my room growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, good taste in film. So, uh, 
here's something I didn't like, and I kind of want your perspective on this, if this is a little touch away from too convenient, right? Uh, Okay. He shows up this day that he decided to go and visit mom who's alive in this timeline because I went and put the tomato sauce in the shopping cart. Is the same night that he got his powers at Central City like that? I was like, what was that? Or... See, I think we needed a little bit more in the speed force of how is he accessing dates? How is he rewinding back? Like there had to be like a little more like intuitiveness there uh, of explaining like why this specific date, because he's like, well, in this timeline, this is the night you become the flash. We need to go flat, get you flash. Right. Right. Um, are you asking me, do I like that? Should, was it all a little too on the nose that everything happened on the same day? Yeah. Yeah. What are you, uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm asking that. Uh, yeah. I think if he shows up maybe two or three days before to do the tomato can bit with mom, then what it gives him a chance to do is try to find a way to get back out of the speed force mm-hmm. before the 29th gets there with maybe no realization that the 29th is even coming and then realize well, I can't leave because if I leave and this guy doesn't get hit doused by this lightning, then I never, I, I think, I guess, yes. Um, a bit more time to lay low and kind of just do the fish out of water that if done well can be really interesting. And it's not mm-hmm. so far out of water that it's like he's, you know, Michael J. Fox, as much as I love back to the future back in 1955. Yeah. But, going back to a time where um, he gets to spend some time with his mom. Yeah. And I like that. I and, like, again, Matt, like we sound like broken well, records. about time, isn't it? Isn't that kind of like about time? Yeah. I think it's, it's uh, we're like broken records on the podcast, but you know, those family ties, those family yeah. themes that we gravitate towards time and time again, those really work for me in the film. Like him trying to, okay, like I'm allowed to come interact with my mom, but then there could be consequences for that, right? Then that's when, you know, times, uh, the, the timeline can get really messed up. Yeah. So they go to Central City PD. Uh, he speed shimmies uh, through the wall. Barry 2.0 loves it. And they got to kind of recreate the origin story. And I think, you know, as convenient as it was, once they're in here, I kind of like, you know, how this plays out. Barry Allen has a really interesting origin story, which is just getting blasted with lightning that got and getting doused with chemicals. It's pretty horrific, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this specific uh, combination, you want to talk about, you know, the fate of a superhero, this very particular combination of chemicals is what, you know, with the lightning is what gives him these powers. Uh, But they they do a, a pretty cool 180 on us here, which is, he kind of doesn't get out of the way of the lightning in time and it goes through him into Barry and it's almost like there's a transference of powers. So mm-hmm. now we got a conflict and more of an arc now for our lead character. So we're hard on it, but Matt, where do you stand in with, with, with this and kind of the direction this story is going to go now? We have a, a powerless Barry, uh, a new Barry with powers who has to now learn those. You liking the direction the film's going so far? No, I didn't want him to lose his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I didn't want to lose him powers is we know he has to get him back and it's just, it's inefficient because now I'm just watching him toil in a space that I know he's not going to stay in because I've seen him later in the film as the flash. So maybe that's an ill result of trailers that give away too much, but 
I don't know, Jesse Wally, or I'm sorry, Barry Allen without powers is just a guy. Yeah. And so if you're going to just be a guy, mm-hmm. then you better be a really interesting guy. Cause the movie's not called Barry Allen. Yeah. And so this is a bit of my argument for, I think what's a really long second act. Okay. And that is, it's a lot of exposition, heavy, yeah. minimal flash action. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do that, which you can, mm-hmm you have to make sure that it's well acted and that the alternate, the regular ego, the Clark Kentedness of it yeah. is interesting enough to where I'm not like, would you just hurry up and get back in the fucking suit mm-hmm. so I can watch you run and get back to that guy who punched you out of the speed force. Um, I, look, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, again, I was not like, Oh God, get me to the door. These are babies falling from the sky. Like you were. Thank God Michael Keaton is going to show up soon and save the film. <laughs> but is the story really any different? Yeah, if he just if he, if, he, if he keeps them, if he keeps his powers, I mean, does anything really change? No, yeah, we can still have right, do- and then, Doofy Barry Allen that he 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 also gets powers, and now we still have to teach him how to use them, right? Well, then, so that's what I was just going to say: is don't you want to see the scene where he and like <laughs> Elderberry? And younger Barry, <laughs> Elder Barry, not the fruit, mm-hmm. older Barry Allen and younger, newer Barry Allen go up a couple nights to help younger Barry Allen learn how to use his powers before we have to tackle Zod and the baddies. Yeah. Like, I think there was a lot of space that the two of them together mm-hmm. could have done because what you're effectively doing with two Barry Allens is playing the Barry, a- Barry Allen, where he West, Barry Allen, Wally West paradigm there you go. that worked really well in the flash comics because mm-hmm. it's elder and younger. Yeah. I, I, I'm not looking for a flash team up film, but that's what this ends up being anyway. <laughs> and that's what it is on the screen without it getting there anyway, sure. because he still is going to get back in the flash. And then that makes this great. The, the, the showdown was odd and the Zod boys, as you like to say mm-hmm. all the better. And maybe we don't fuck around with young Barry having to learn so much because he's already cut his teeth on the street level. And you know what? To one more thing on that. Yeah. To me, next to Batman, the flash has the best rogues gallery in the DC universe. Oh yeah. What's wrong with watching flash take on mirror master Mm -hmm. in 2012 or one of those other lesser villains that sort of sets up, maybe a better return for the villainy later on. And if there's a blueprint for that, and again, too close in proximity to look back and steal from, man, Spider-Verse did that fantastically Yeah, with the spot. Mm-hmm. The spot by the end of that film was, was awesome. Yeah. So my answer to that is I didn't love it. It didn't kill the film, but I think they missed an opportunity to do some interesting things with two of them together. A couple things real quick. I, I was just thinking of these when you were, you were talking like, you want a, a kind of a good example of, uh, Rye audience of an act two that has kind of little action, uh, but it, each scene is so engaging and exciting. Is Raiders of the Lost Dark? I mean, act two of that movie is them digging in the desert. <laughs> well, could you say I agree? Yeah, absolutely. Could yeah. you also say Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, that, that's training and floating around on an asteroid. <laughs> I mean, in <laughs> a worm's mouth. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's very captivating. It's 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 how it's done in the scenes. And yeah, I'm with you. If, if Barry keeps his powers here, you know, I, I like some of the stuff that they do with it. And then, but then we can kind of get rid of that like kind of ten minute scene of them trying to re-electrocute Barry too, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that is a good scene. Yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah, so, you know, it's trial and error with these new powers. I did want to ask you this because the first time Ezra Miller tests that he doesn't have his running, he kind of runs around the, the Central City Police Department and his, <laughs> yeah. his weird little run. Let me ask you, has yeah. his running style gotten better or worse? God, that's a great question. Yeah. That semi-starting block pose that he begins with is peculiar, if nothing else. Has it gotten better or worse? Um, better, but it's an interesting way to run regardless. Very bizarre. I just, yeah. I don't know if anybody that runs with any kind of efficiency is that fluid and flowing in an S like movement with their arms across their torso. Yeah. They're it's... usually like pistons next to your rib cage, right? Not yeah. S's across your torso. Like you're kind of doing a semi weird breaststroke. Yeah, it looks like he kind of looks like like jelly when he's doing it. There's like there's like no like kind of like fluid motion with it. I kind of wish he was running like the T1000. Yeah. Long yeah. long strides with a purpose kind of a thing. Anyway, I had to bring that mm-hmm. up cuz I thought about you cuz we've talked about the his running style more the times than, you know, we probably should have, right? <laughs> I don't know if it's getting better. Or I'm just getting used to it. One of the two. It, it's it's growing on me a bit. Okay. Uh, but you know, you know, it's trial and error. He burns his clothes off, so Barry has to tell him, you know, you need to wear this suit, otherwise the friction you're causing is just going to ignite your clothing. And you know, they get a lot of comedy of him running naked and then him falling through the floor and um, his kind of doofus roommates. But then we, we, we kind of settle down, uh, and we also find out here that, you know, Zod's showing up. Matt, how much do you think I love that, that we're going back to Man of Steel, to my favorite moment of these movies, which is terraforming Metropolis, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I kind of thought, I was like, from a different point of view and perspective, let's see where this goes. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty nervous that, oh, man, I'm going to have to see those people just plummeting down to earth again. Like, I'm not ready for that. But he's yeah. like, he's like, I got to assemble my friends, right? I'm friends with Batman. I'm friends with the cyborg. And when he does a quick internet search, he's finding, oh, wow, Victor Stone is playing football. No, I can't find any information on a Clark Kent. Uh, but when he mentions the name Batman, his little uh, Barry 2.0's roommates kind of go, oh, the Batman. They kind of know about him. And then they kind of do a nice uh, kind of back and forth tip for Tad here, which is, yeah, this whole thing, it's kind of very reminiscent of Back to the Future. With uh, like, And then one of the guys goes, oh, my God, Eric Stoltz, love him. And, <laughs> that was and, so great. Yeah, I thought and, about you. And, Bar- and Barry goes, uh, say again? And he's like, yeah, Eric Stoltz, you mean Michael J. Fox. And he's like, you know, uh, you Michael J. Fox from Footloose? And he's like, oh, wait a minute, like Footloose. He's, <laughs> he's like, Kevin Bacon's in Footloose. He's like, no, Kevin Bacon was in Top Gun. And you think uh, they had a nice cool banter here with the altering timeline has placed a lot of different actors in different films. Right. But the the reason that's so awesome for everybody that doesn't have any idea we're talking about, Mm -hmm. Eric Stoltz shot like 50% of, of uh, back to the future before they went back and reshot the whole thing. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, good for them. I like that they are not afraid to sort of trample or at least return to some of those things. Like good for them to have some fun with it. Yeah. That was, that stuff was all awesome. Yeah. Kevin, and, and Kevin Bacon was in Top Gun. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. So what does that mean? That Tom Cruise like never existed? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was, he was, uh, he was an airplane. Yeah. There you go. 
Uh, and then this guy, this guy laying on the couch, I don't even, he doesn't even have a name, but, uh, he has Eric Stoltz tatted on his back calf. I'm like, Oh man, bad decision there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But the film's intriguing me. It's, we finally got to the thing that I've been waiting this entire production history of this film, uh, for, which was, Hey, I know a Bruce Wayne, uh, or I found Bruce Wayne. I know Batman. We're, we're, we're really good friends and these people can't believe it. So they take a taxi to Gotham City and get out. And, man, it was like being a child again. This was kind of like a dream come true 30 years in the making of I've always awesome. I've always wanted to see Michael Keaton return as Batman. And I thought that was the longest of long shots. And I guess we do owe a little bit of thanks to uh, Birdman because I, I think that, sure. uh, that film was – you you hear Keaton do interviews like mid nineties talking about Batman and he looks up, he looks back on it very negatively. Uh, really, it, really, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, very negatively. It typecast him. It it didn't really offer him kind of a lot after that. Uh, and everyone just saw him as Batman. He's like, yeah, I'm, I was Batman, but I'm also uh, these other things and other roles I'm trying to do. But I think hmm. Birdman was kind of a way to work through that because I don't know if you remember that 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 film a lot, but oh, Rig yeah. Riggins, oh, yeah. this actor he plays, is essentially Keaton in real life is this yeah. guy known for playing this superhero. And I think yep. after that, I think he kind of had a little bit, I don't want to call it quite the reconnaissance, but a little bit with films like Spotlight. Um, he, was in mm -hmm. the, he was in the RoboCop remake, which that's kind of a bad example to bring up, but he was the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming and kind of had, he's kind of had a bit of a, like a, a return, right? He was also in that action flick with that gal where he was, oh, it was kind of a Kill Bill thing. What the hell was that film called? Um, he was in two, and he's got a, he was in, go ahead. Two, he was in two of those because Dylan O'Brien was in uh, one. Yep. Uh, American Assassin, and I know that. There film, you go. I know that film that you're talking about. Oh gosh, it wasn't Peppermint. Uh, it had a name. Right, I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's like Peppermint, but it's not right. It definitely yeah, that, that other film. Yeah, with uh, Maggie Q, I think was the the woman in that. I was gonna say the girl from Book of Eli. So yeah. there you go. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty good. So yeah, to him come back and and wheel it around and like I am gonna play Batman, but I'm gonna play the version that I played with the Tim Burton gothicness. And as they start going through this mansion, I mean, they they go down the Hall of Armor, the 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 Kingdom of the Wicker People, uh, which Robert Wool made a bunch of fun of the last time he was walking these halls, and the library and this little kitchen nook, it's all very meticulously recreated from Tim Burton's '89 film. Like I was just, I was just like, I had a smile on my face, Matt. This was this was a great moment. This was those Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, moments you know that you had gained to see toby Maguire again and i loved all the, those two but the, like this was the one like this like one was really special for me i thought the way they reintroduced him too was awesome this this hermit mm -hmm. that whose better days are beyond him and i didn't even pick up on the kitchen bit that you brought up i mean of course you would get that yeah but uh you can still see that the old man's got some uh, salt in the tank because or whatever expression that would be that's not salt in the tank. Um, kind of lays it on him there in the kitchen with frying pans and spatulas, and you still see he's very, very capable despite being in a much older state, but also you can tell the years have kind of taken their toll on Batman. And I like that version of Batman. I like when they do that with Batman to a certain degree. Not so much that he's broken and his legs don't work and 
you know, he can't fight anymore. But like that version, like this, this life has been so hard on me mm-hmm. and I've fought so many things against so many things, personal, external, internal, you name it. Like, this is just what I'm at. Like, I get it. By the end of the day, that dude's like, I want some quick spaghetti mm-hmm. and quiet. That's all I want. And you know what? I'm not going to shave. I'm just going to, man, I get it. Yeah. And the fact that he's sort of this reclusive guy in there and the way he attacks them in the kitchen, that was a cool action bit. <laughs> yeah. Ezra Miller, the original, kind of gets his ass handed to him in that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's got one, one you know, uh, sandal on, you know, this yeah crazy old man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. he falls about and he falls on his head and, yeah, the other flash. And it's, it's nice and comedic. And, yeah, I think... You know, I don't know if the film had enough time to go into all the intricacies of what's led him to this other than being tired and it's run its course. But, oh man, I would love to I would love to know what that was, what made him hang up the, the cap and cow to go, you know, all all hermity here at, at Wayne Manor. Oh, my God. From the end of The Penguin and Catwoman to where we are now, there's a couple films in there, I think. Well, I told you, you know, I, I studied that uh, that very particular shot of his Hall of Suits. And there's there's a story there. There's the origin suit that looks like the original Batman suit. There's a blue and gray suit which looked awesome. Then you go to '89, then the '92 suit, uh, and then kind of like a, a glider suit, and then kind of like a nightmare post-apocalyptic suit. And I'm like, man, there's four untold stories there, and I would I would watch all of those. Was there not a Robin suit in there too, or is that me just making that up in my mind? Uh, the, I, I didn't see that one, but uh, okay. um, yeah, you're there probably. Is. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. Uh, what do you think of his way? Who did it? Who did it best, Matt? Uh, did Tilda Swinton and her uh, timeline on the roof do it better, or do you like Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne's spaghetti metaphor of how you can mess up the multiverse. No, that one was way better. Yeah. Like that was way better. I loved the miasma, the mess of noodles spilled into each other. That was perfect. Like good for DC to take what the Russo brothers were not able to do. And we took them to task on and handle it in about 45 seconds. So well mm-hmm. credit to the writers on that. Yes. Well, well executed. I loved it. You. Tilda Swinton or Michael Keaton, where do you at? I love like, the, I need you to answer this one. Yeah, I love the bowl. I love the bowl of spaghetti. It was, it was I think, a very yeah. simple, simple way to do it and talking about divergent uh, timelines and essentially telling them, you do this, you alter, uh, you alter history. That's you, you can't undo that. Well, and if you remember when we did Endgame, Jesse, oh, we was, talked about yeah, yeah. jumping back to do the Infinity Stones. Not only do you change that moment, but you change all of the latter infinity stones that have yet to be dealt with in that particular time. So you branch each one of those into its own branch. And then when you get to like, let's say you're in yellow time stone time and that affects blue, green and red. Then in that same yellow time stone timeline, when you get to blue and you mess with blue, then that affects green and red. So now you have to go to green and red and like the, the, exponential damage and changes that that makes it's incalculable how big that is. You can never get ahead. You can't just go do one little thing Mm -hmm. and him with that bowl of spaghetti essentially said it. And what took 45 to 50 minutes for you and I to suffer through in 45 seconds. Amen to them. Good for them. Yeah. And so, you know, they, he, he says, I'm not going to help you. And then they sneak down to his cave 
to use his tech to see if they can find find anything. And, you know, he watches him from the his camera system. You know, we know he has an intricate camera system in his Wayne Manor. But oh, yeah. you know, I think he we see he sees the plight in there and kind of in a in a way of like I got nothing left to lose. You know what the hell? Let me help these boys out. Uh, but it's you know you know they're talking about their their why did you go back to that day? He's like I guess I could be with mom and and this and that and you know Bruce goes and looks at the picture of his parents and you know it kind of warms him up a little bit of maybe these these two do have something about them, right? Yeah. And Maybe so, and so, you know, he does a little bit of research to help them, uh, to, to help them out and, you know, gives them a location somewhere in, you know, the Russian mountains or, or, or somewhere. And he suits up, he suits up. And this is a, mo- a moment already I've already seen in the, in the trailer, which is, you know, um, yeah, I'm Batman. Even seeing it just actually happen was, that was a great moment. It was, it was fantastic. I love that he's reluctant to return to the cowl. But at the end of the day, because he is a hero and such a great hero, mm-hmm. the call is never all the way dead inside you. Yeah. For all of the things that that was, the bearded, messed, one crock-wearing, posse-eaten recluse, yeah. there's still a hero in there. And because the hero never dies until the hero dies, and mm-hmm. then resurrected from another dimension and another multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> He'll always be a hero or she'll always be a hero. And I love that at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the will to do good still comes out. And you know, Jesse, I thought about that quite a bit. Yeah. The, the Michael Keaton, what would it be that would take you from everything that you've seen in your life? That, that version of Michael Keaton, yeah. like that, that story, that Batman, the one you love so much, mm-hmm. all the stories that we've seen, all the stories that we haven't seen, the multiple suits, all those things. Yeah. What is it that calls you back to the fray to still try to embrace or uphold good? Yeah. And that's the power fantasy mm-hmm. that to me has always way, made superheroes so lovable. It's why I wanted them. No matter what, mm-hmm. you may break my arms, you may break my legs. I'm still at the end of the day going to fight like hell to do right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with upbringing it and philosophies and, and uh, ideas with how the world should exist. but. I think there's buy in there because you go one of two ways, right? And it's either I'm going to do good no matter what against all odds because that's how I'm built or it's the flip and it's, I'm going to do bad no matter what, because I see the world in this different way and it doesn't matter if none of you see it that way. I am so right that I'm going to see it through. And Mm -hmm. you know what? Yeah. Those are both two sides of the same coin that mm-hmm. exist only with each other. And it's why you and I, despite all of our frustrations with Marvel and DC for the better part of two years, keep talking about even off mic, hey, I read this, hey, I saw this, hey, when I finish the King Dynasty, I can let you borrow it. We still love superheroes. Because <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You want to be a hero, Jesse. Yeah. You do. That's the truth. And yeah. I do too. And I got to tell you, uh, Keaton, uh, Rolling onto the screen here, sixty-seven. I think he is. Sky, yeah. look, Sky looks good in the bad suit still. Uh, he's got some good, good presence, buddy. It's right. Yeah, he's got some good presence in this suit, and I think it's what one of my favorite aspects of how he played the character. 
as Tim Burton always put it, which was Michael Keaton always looked like the guy that needed the bat suit to become intimidating and something else. And the way he moves in that thing, very, very slender, but powerful, you know, he can still pack a punch. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah, his little action bits are, are amped up a little bit and I, I loved, I loved all of them. Yep. Yeah. So they go to this, you know, this, you know, Russian Serbian facility and, you know, they're trying to find the Kryptonian. We get some nice Batman action bits, some comedy, uh, but they go and open this pond, uh, this, this pod, this rescue pod. And you're like, Oh, that looks like the thing from man of steel. Um, no Henry Cavill. Remember ladies and gentlemen, we said bye to him a long time ago. This is Mm -hmm. Kara Zor-El Superman's cousin, uh, from Krypton. Uh, there's been a Supergirl movie before, and if you're looking for kind of like a good, bad movie experience, go check that one out. Helen uh, Slater, ladies and gentlemen, and then when you finish, watch The Legend of Billie Jean. It's her two big films yeah. back-to-back. Yeah. Um, yeah this we will is, be invincible. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, introduction. Uh, I'm willing to kind of see where this goes if we're not, you know, going to do like the full Superman thing. I guess we can introduce a character that, you know, has we've been talking about for a while, at least on, you know, some of these internet publications about, you know, when, when are we going to see this character? And and they've been doing her on the, the CW as well, played by Melissa Benoist. Uh, yeah. She's pretty good too, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. I think the casting's good. Uh, the character mostly works for me and uh, we talked a little bit, but her, her action bits with Zod are so much more palatable than anything that they gave Superman in his appearances. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. They were great. Mm-hmm. They were great. Yeah. And they kind of do kind I, of like, okay, an, I got to ask you this. I, I know you hate the, the terraforming earth and the power cores, like, and all no, that. Like I, I, ca- I hate it. Capital too. H hate that. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's trash. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's trash. Are you now after this film is finished in a better place with, that version of Zod because you saw what could have been done if used properly or are you more frustrated because it seems so simple and they missed so badly on the first one? Um, I guess I'm a little sad that, yeah, that that element could have played a whole lot better. I think you had the casting like <sighs> pitch perfect. I mean, Michael Shannon is, you should be a terrific Zod and you know, it all, it becomes all about the spectacle of Man of Steel. It's just how, how much can we destroy? How much can we, lay waste to and just kind of show how cool it looks and the right. lack of regard for human life. It just, I don't need to go into that again, but uh, yeah, right. it's, it's just psychotic. Like what they decide to do with Zod and Superman in that film. And here it's, it's a much more pared down version and Zod's a, a real bad guy in this one. I mean, we're going to find out here that there is no Clark on this universe because Zod went and killed the, the baby in the pod before it even got there. Right. Pretty brutal. I mean, that's that's a villain in my book. Great twist. There is no Superman because he's already done away with him. So now I'm after the cousin. And once that's done, we're yeah. tricking Earth into the Krypton 2.0. Love it. The I o- love it. The only problem is that Zod's still on the quest for the fucking Codex and just like, <laughs> man, yeah, I'm so yeah. done with yet yeah, DNA being instilled in a human. And it just, I, I don't care. Uh, yeah. you could just come to earth to just make it your new, cri- why do you have to terraform it to make it like your planet? Just rule over the planet. It's mm, doing, it's doing an interesting idea. Yeah, exactly. It, it, they're creating rubble to like, rule over rubble, Matt. 
Why don't you just rule over metropolises? I mean, go watch Superman 2. I think that was their or uh, the the Richard Donner version. That was the what they were going to do. They were just going to just rule. Yeah. Rule planet yeah. rule planet Houston. There's nothing fun about being a king or a tyrant if there's nothing to subjugate. Hey rock. Yeah. Do my bidding. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. rock, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus Hey, human, do my bit. Yeah, there's much more fun if it's an organism that can move and think and speak and, you know, bend to your will. That's a lot more fun. Let me ask you this because I haven't seen it yet, and I'll see it eventually. It just wasn't a high-priority uh, one for me. But how is all the flying stuff and, like, the flying action in the, the Black Adam movie with, with Dwayne Johnson? Uh, I thought the flying stuff in that film was good. I thought the team that they assembled – to fight Black Adam was pretty ridiculous. And I thought Black Adam himself was pretty ridiculous as far as how powerful they made him. But the spectacle of airborne battles in that film was not where that movie fell apart. I, I liked them. Dare I say I liked them? I thought they handled it really well. Okay. Yeah. Good you deal. still haven't burned that one, huh? You might want to check that out. It's not, a, it, I think you can do worse, Jesse. Like well, there's, there's far worse. Out yeah, there. sure. I, absolutely. It's just, I think I, I'm kind of in the dumps here with, with DC films. And I took a, a, a picture, a screenshot of this. Uh, I want to go through some of these totals with you and then we'll, we'll continue on with the film, but okay. I think it's DC fatigue. Maybe the brand is a bit of poison right now. There's some factors in here, but these totals aren't like really great. Black Adams worldwide gross three hundred and ninety three million. Shazam the first one three hundred sixty seven million. Birds of Prey the Harley Quinn film two hundred and five worldwide million. Wonder, yeah. Wonder Woman eighty four hundred and sixty nine million million. Uh, that was a COVID release, so that's ten percent of that with the COVID streaming bit. But yes, you're right. Yeah. So Suicide Squad one hundred sixty eight million, and then Shazam Fury of the Gods. That was the one that came out in April. 133 million worldwide gross. Like these are $200 million budgeted films that at minimum have to gross 500 to 600 million to break even. And that these films are making a fraction of that, uh, of that amount. So there's a lot working against DC right now, you know, barring, you know, what they decide to do going forward, but people just don't want to watch these movies. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just said it. Yeah. People don't want to watch these movies. It, uh, maybe it's just that, Jesse. It could be. And so, okay, if you don't have a fan base that wants to play along, what do you do? Because Warner Brothers is insistent that you try to keep up with the Joneses and the superhero realm. Because if you don't and build something that's continuity worthy, like the Marvel MCU is, mm-hmm. you're going to get killed and you're not going to be able to finance the rest of your budget so or the rest of your films. What do you do? I know. You know what you should do? Here's what you should do. And you've said it before. Yeah. You should create a seven-film slate. Yeah. Maybe eight-film slate that does the following thing. Each one of the seven films introduces one of the characters that you and I brought up in the, in the flight question. Mm-hmm. And their arch nemesis. Yeah. Moving to number eight, which is JLA versus the Legion of Doom, and let's do it. And by the time you've run through eight films like that, and the nice thing about it is because they're character-driven and origin stories, essentially, you can make them cheaper because a third of the movie, they're just human. They don't change until 
maybe the inciting incident. So maybe a third might be too much, but like 15 to 20% of the film mm-hmm. is really on the cheap. Cause you know what it looks like just a human. Yeah. And so maybe you keep that budget instead of at 200, dare I say street level, not getting into space. So maybe we'll leave green lantern out, mm-hmm. stay, stay on earth, $85 million. Cause on 85, you win if you can get to 300. Yeah. 215 in the red is a nice, or in the black, I guess, 215 in the black yeah. ahead mm-hmm. is a nice payday. Yeah. And then now you can finance some of those other things and you're not so dependent on $200 million in with some VX problems that you've already identified. And maybe this thing gets out. Maybe by the time it's worldwide done, if it's lucky, it makes 415. Maybe, maybe yeah. it makes 415 total. Maybe. Yeah. Cause the stuff that suffers in, in the process is all the little films, right? These summer right. studios use these tent poles to fund all the smaller budgeted films, the the thirty to forties, and then the the ten to ones. These things are bombing like that. that, that those types of films are going to suffer. We're going to see less of those comedies, uh, less of those kind of mid range horrors, uh, less of those mid range action films. Uh, and yeah, they they just won't be able to to fund those because they're taking it. That's uh, just in the tank right now. So, if you remove Batman. From the DCU. Uh-huh. Is the problem that Mar- Warner Brothers is going to come into, there's just not a whole lot of care left with those characters. Whereas if you remove Spider-Man from the MCU, yeah. there's still plenty to care about there. Is it? Is it? Could be. Is it character design? Could be. Is Marvel just that much better with characters? Could be. Yeah. They've established them better. That's for sure. Because I mean... I don't, I kind of put Superman as far as not film wise, but on a reading level, I want to read some Superman on par with Thor. Mm-hmm. I don't, I hate Thor. It's really clear with blue beetle. They're trying to do Iron Man again. Like it's clear that's Iron Man again. Yeah. So back to the original question that you posed, and I think it's a really thought provoking good one. What do you do with an audience that maybe just doesn't care? What do you do? I do, yeah, I do you do what Hasbro does? <laughs> I, <laughs> just I don't know, Jesse. That's a good question. Yeah. Do you are do you maybe just say this? Look, that worked for Universal and Marvel. We're not them. Yeah, we're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. I think this is a lot that's on James Gunn's plate. Him and Peter Safran, right? As as they go forward, how are they going to overcome this? bad word of mouth, lack of interest, middling returns, and re-bring some new life into into the films that they're going to do. Well, Hollywood is such a copycat industry. Yeah. You just have to be, if you can't win by copying, then you have to win by creating. And then once you become the creator of something that's new and good, then everybody copies you and you've got a three to four year lead on them of winning. Mm-hmm. And that's not, excuse me, that's not to say I don't want to see DC make more superhero movies because as hard as we are on them, I still want to see them. Yeah. But God, Jesse, that's such a freaking loaded question, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I got a good answer for you either. I think there's a lot writing on, cause I looked at the slate and after Aquaman, which all my, I think, man, I think that one's in, dire financial straits too of like I could see that landing in the 300 million range too when it's all said and done 
Uh, next year, all we got for DC is Joker Part 2 with Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga, which isn't even tied to any of this. That's a whole separate, un-related uh, thing that they're doing along with the Pattinson Batman stuff. And it's not until 2025 when they're going to reboot the Superman thing, so there's a lot riding on that particular film. Yeah, man, that's also a problem. By the year 2025, no one's going to care about Superman Legacy. No one. Yeah. No one's going to, like, that Joker, Lady Gaga, and I didn't even know Lady Gaga was in it. Is she going to play Harley Quinn or is she just yep. love interest, no, you know? Harley Quinn. It's a musical, too. Wow, really? Yeah. It's a musical, sequel, yeah. Joaquin's back. Okay, so, Todd Phillips wow. is back. Yeah, that's going to be something else. So I'm intrigued, but that's not going to do anything for the Warner Brothers DCU label because it's, way, way, way out of continuity. That's not even in discussion for one of the timelines that Barry sees in the multiverse. We're not, this is, this is not, this is a totally different animal. Mm-hmm. So we get through Blue Beetle, we get through Aquaman November of next year, then it's Lady Gaga and, and Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. I don't know, one of two things happen either by 2025, Marvel has done such a bad job <laughs> or exhausted everybody so much that no one cares anymore or DC's taken, and so no one sees the film in 2025, or no one cares. Oh my god! Or there's been enough of a break Have we where re- we shake the etch a sketch clean and, and we start fresh because maybe that's the best thing that could happen for them. Hey. Give everybody a little bit of time to decompress. Have yeah, we reached it? Is this the moment that we've been talking about for what seems like 10 years? Have we reached yeah. the moment of fatigue? Is this the point of no return? Marvel it in seems the, like it. Marvel in the toilet, rebranded. No one cares about DC anymore. Is this the moment where we realize, hey, maybe we've had too much? Okay, I'm going to answer that question not directly, but with an experience that happened last night. Okay. Okay. We decided as a family to sit down and watch Secret Invasion. Okay. I made it 11 minutes, Mm. and I was either turn this off or I'm going to fall asleep so bad. Jesus. So bad. And that story for Marvel mm-hmm. is awesome on the pages mm-hmm. in the graphic novels and the comic books. I own that story is awesome. And whatever the hell that was last night that I watched was the most drawn out boring that made the first four episodes of the 1980s version V miniseries oh. high drama. And that was really dry too, till the end, till the end. Cause that shit was boring last night, man boring oh that's that's disappointing have you seen it yet not yet not yet oh god well i'd love, love to talk to you after you see it we will i'm sure but yeah yeah maybe, maybe we're there i i okay one more question okay this is a dc episode not a marvel episode but i have to ask you one to ten what's your appetite for the marvels uh three four I mean, I'll, I'm going to see it. Uh, I don't know if I'll rush to the theater or if I'll catch it on Disney Plus, but yep. yeah. And then the one after that, you know, Captain America, New World Order, the fight of the Serpent Society, whatever the hell that movie's called. I kind of don't want to see that mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. watch Echo. I don't want to watch Agatha Harkness. I don't want to watch mm-hmm. the Thunderbolts. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're there, but I, I laugh all yes, that. And, we with, and with the chagrin, hey, Matt, I'll see you uh, at Avengers Secret Wars opening night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you will. 
So let's get back to the film here. Uh, I, I think that was all a good breakdown. I mean, it's unavoidable talking about this brand. And not only do we break down film on the podcast, I think it's important to talk about, you know, the structure of how films are made in general. I mean, it's as much a business as it, as it is anything. Sure. Yeah. So we got to this. Sadly, thing. what probably drives all the other stuff is the business mm-hmm. model these days. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we get to the scene that uh, I had talked about earlier that uh, I thought could have been cut had it went a different way, but it's we got to give Barry his 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 speed powers again. So he rigs up the chemicals in that exact particular of uh, way, and then with the back kite, we're gonna get lightning to come strike down on him. I, I think this is pretty good. And man, Michael Keaton looks crazy as hell in this with his denim jacket and his ascot, and he's like grinning like a madman that he gets to electrocute somebody. Keaton's having a good time here. Yeah, but it's uh, it, it kind of works, but kind of not. It kind of just looks like a lightning strike victim, all bloodied out and not great. Uh, and it's Supergirl that comes and actually brings him to the sky and was like. If we got to do it, we got to do it right. And we got to get one from the source itself up here. Uh, and now we have our little team. We have two Flash, uh, Supergirl, an aged Batman. Uh, Matt, what do you think our chances are? Better than if it was Flash 2.0. So we're, we're improving. Uh, my question was, what's Zod going to look like in this version compared to the first version? Okay, okay. Personally, so Zod, he's too powerful. I like it. No, that's a, that's, that's a reasonable team. I like it. It's not overpowering. Yeah, it's it's, um, it's ragtag. Uh, I like Barry 2.0s. He takes the Batman Returns suit and spray paints it red and cuts the ears yeah. off. And it's he's got this hackneyed yeah. flash shoot job. Uh, and yeah, I think we've got some heavy firepower to, to fight uh, Zod. And then all the rest of these people are going to take care of the troops and the, the Zod army. Uh yeah, I think this is interesting. Let's get to the desert because uh, we get to some things I know that that you like here, and then we're about to get real crazy in just a second. But I got to talk Keaton real quickly. I thought his reinvented bat wing, because if you remember the last time we saw this flying apparatus, it was crashing into the steps of a cathedral. Yeah. So he's remade it a little bit, and he had a feature in there that I think was mm-hmm. the, cool, the coolest thing that I've seen in a piece of fictional machinery he has a cockpit that stays level no matter Rotate. which direction you, you turn it. Yeah, so sweet. That's yep. awesome and makes so much sense. So when he's, oh, yeah. when he's trying to dodge missiles, and I'd be puking my guts out if I was doing 360s like Top Gun, yeah. he gets to stay nice and level so he can actually see where he's flying and what he's doing. I don't know if that was Muschietti, the screenplay, or a designer on the VFX team, but you get an A-plus in my book. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? Yeah. It actually plays out to... It saves his life. As you spoke about, and, and later on, later in the film, plays out even more importantly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what do you yeah, think? No, very cool. Good yeah. design on that. Yeah. So what do, what do you think of... Yeah, we get the little twist here that um, Kalel is... He was killed before he even got here. Uh, yep. You know, and Supergirl, uh, Kara, lets him have it. Like, what did you do? And we find out the Codex is in her... And they just start going to town, these two. But it's a lot more palatable than... And I like that we're, we're out in the desert. We're minimizing collateral damage here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they're fighting is you can actually see it, right? It's 
it's not shaky. It's not a, a visual, just disgusting fest. It actually looks pretty good. What, what do you think about that? You're the one who brought it up to me. Uh, I loved it. Actually, this, this battle between them is fantastic. And where Zod has his minions and an army, I think it gives you an opportunity to take on someone inside the team. That's your speed, mm-hmm. right? Again, not to beat that horse to death, but Batman shooting batarangs at, at doomsday from a balcony is absurd. Yeah. But taking on one of the Zodites, namely the big space guy, what's his name? Um, well, he was, he was Nom in the, in, in the, in the Donner yeah. films. I guess we'll call him Nom. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the, the Nom version. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, even Batman's a little bit kind of underpowered for that, but with his technology and stuff, he can do it. The two flashes fighting everybody on the ground because there's such a mass amount of them makes sense. Kara certainly going toe-to-toe with Zod. It it lines up so much better that way. And the other thing, too, that I really found intriguing was were they going to give Kara the exact same skill set that Cal had. And I think the answer is yes. I think she has the same skill, mm-hmm. the yeah. same garden variety battery of super abilities that the man of steel did. So right on, bring that on. So I don't have to worry about decoding the 15 new things that she can or can't do. Um, and they moved around enough from a to B to C to D with each of the fights, to where you got the, a snapshot, eh, maybe more than a snapshot, a highlight version of what was going on in that particular space with those bad guys while still to featuring the two flashes, not only learning how to work together, but Barry 2.0 learning how to use his powers really for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Try, I yeah. thought it was wildly entertaining. what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, I'll take this over man of steel any day. Like Matt, we'll do that film oh, yeah. one of these days because I got to get, I got a lot of stuff I got to get out on the table about why I don't like it. And why yeah. it rubs me the wrong way, but it's just not an engaging action scene to me. And yeah, this is a lot more mellow. It's in light. You can see everything. Uh, the VFX, yeah. uh, for the most part, are still pretty poor here. Uh, but I'm okay with the action. You know, I've, I think I've kind of made peace with the state of the VFX at this point, And I'm just kind of willing to go with it. Because Barry, okay, Barry and Barry 2.0, I mean, they're trying to save people and ignite, you know, whatever speed... Uh, they can, and it's a little difficult for them to kind of just take out a couple guys because uh, he's, he's teaching at the same time. But once things get a little dire here and Kara gets stabbed and they extract her DNA, you're like, oh, crap, we just, we lost. Stano snapped his the fingers. Codex. Yeah, I got the codex finally, damn it. Uh, <laughs> and, and Mr. Th- Michael Shannon impressed that's that's pretty good. good. Where, the, where the hell's the codex? Uh, and then Keaton, I, I like this little, I like this little bit they did with Keaton, uh, where he jumps on Nam's back and is like putting like little like grenades on him and doing his best mm-hmm. as a Batman can to take down an alien. But even yeah. that's not enough. And man, he, he gets dealt to like a killing blow. And even he yeah. realizes like, oh man, maybe I was too old for this little adventure. Uh, <laughs> And then, oh, uh, with 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 the berries, you know, they realize crap. We screwed up. We we. So what do we do? What's the first instance? We can go back in time and save this, uh, and re- redo this this scenario. Now we get into the speed force, and this is where we're gonna get. It's gonna get pretty crazy. But uh, 
I kind of like where this goes. Uh, we get mm-hmm. to kind of see a lot of different alternate versions. And I think a big lesson of the film, which is when do you decide that uh, a timeline's fate is sealed? This was meant to happen. And we kind of just need to let bygones be bygones. We can't save that. That's what Barry 1.0 figures out, you know, really quickly. And it's Barry 2.0 running around in here who's trying to do his damnedest to save it. And the more he tries to meddle, the more he screws up the timeline and the worse shape he gets into. Yeah, that's what's great about it. Yeah. Go ahead. So that character that punched Barry out of the speed force an hour earlier in the film had a very interesting and unique look to him. I think you said craggy. Mm-hmm. Metallic. Uh, looks almost like body armor, but very jagged. Um, and as we start to see the Barry Allen that could continually fail to save Keaton and Kara and all of these forces that are getting their asses kicked by, by Zod and Nam and the girl. He keeps showing up in a little bit worse shape and a little bit worse shape with some more mass that that body armor is taking upon his, his body. Mm-hmm. We'll come to find out that those, those bombs that Batman puts on Nam cause him to explode and a piece of shrapnel from that explosion flies through Barry 2.0 the first time we see Batman blow up Nam. Mm-hmm. By the 15th time, he's covered in that stuff, and you're starting to realize, like, oh, shit, that wasn't armor on that thing that punched Barry out of the time force or time loop or yeah. whatever, speed force, wherever it was. It was Barry 2.0 having been covered in shrapnel after, I don't know, 85,000 rotations to try to almost save them yet one more time. Yeah, how many Doctor Strange scenarios did it take him to end up in that state all craggly? Yeah, I, I don't remember, but... Mm-hmm. Um, look, that's a really excellent payoff to that setup, man. Yeah, I like I told you, I thought that they the film just dropped it. I was like, what the heck was that? I guess he's been dubbed the name. I guess he's the Dark Flash is what they've been calling him in the credits. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty good. This, yeah, this version of this timeline version of the character that was obsessed with trying to to make it right. I think this is where the lessons learned that this is not worth it. Look at how a big how big of a mess you can make. And as they look mm-hmm. up, they see all the other parallel universes, the multiverses colliding in on themselves. It's a great visual of like there's the green world and the blue world and there's there's an orange one and they're all they're like planets. Collapsing. Yeah, planets just like running into each other. But Matt Yep. What's in these planets? <laughs> Do you want to, you take a couple, I'll take a couple. Well, as we get the rear window like effect of all of these planets, we see various iterations of other characters that have played the part of Batman and Superman mostly, right? Mm-hmm. So we get what, black and white George Reeves? Is that the one we get there? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. We get a snapshot into George Reeves in the 1950s serial episodic weekly Superman series. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever, watched, that? Have you ever watched that? I think I've seen a few. I do think uh, what really intrigued me was the movie Hollywoodland, another Ben Affleck oh, flick. great film. And I think that was based on that that film or based on that series, right? That's that George Reeves. Yep. Um, hard drinking, man. Hard, hard living, hard mm-hmm. loving. That's kind of a sad story. 
Yeah, that, that uh, you know that came out around the same time as Black Dahlia, and I kind of thought they were the same movie. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Hollywoodland's great. Adrian Brody, uh, yeah, that's worth checking out. Solid film. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting one. Um, we do get, and I've never seen it. We do get a flash. It's the flash with the I don't know, pot boiler hat or whatever you know, that tin hat instead of the cowl that we're used to. Well, that flash. That's I guess that's Jay Garrick. That is, he's the one right. from he's the one from the CW show, right? That's that's what I was going to ask you. Is that yeah. the Jay Garrick from the CW show and not some yeah. earlier Flash show that was in syndication? Nope. Yeah, CW. It's uh, okay. Yeah, same actor. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Then, if Jay Garrick from the CW show has been introduced, then I guess that does make it canon now, right? Yeah. So yeah, there you go. I guess according to um, across the Spider Verse. So mm-hmm. there's that. Yeah. Canon. Those two are really good. Yeah. I'll leave the rest for you because I know you want the other one. Uh, okay, yeah, we got uh, Adam West, uh, Batman floating around in one of them. Uh, that, that, that one <laughs> yeah. was that one was a lot of fun. Uh, yep. The, the the big one uh, I'll say for the last, but the one that really I thought was interesting was the Christopher Reeve and Helen Slater one. You that know, cool. I think you do have to get a lot of permission from you know. This almost kind of looked like AI art. Like it didn't even look like VFX. It looked like you know them kind of like doing an interesting thing with like artificial intelligence, which is a whole thing right now. We don't need to get into it. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the Reeves family foundation or, you know, whatever had to like, okay, like his appearance in this film, right. They had to have been like, yeah, we want to include him in this. They can't just use his, like- awesome. they can't use his likeness. So they were like, I, it was a thumbs up in their book. So I, I thought that one was really interesting, and and including Helen Slater, and I think what's often called a, a really terrible movie, uh, yeah. that they decide to include her. But the one, the one. Well, they had they had a Supergirl in there too, so it makes sense, right? Yeah, exactly. But the one everyone's going to be talking about from here is uh, snapshot to space in this universe, and Nicolas Cage shows up as Superman with the long uh, stringy hair. Uh, and he's finally, fight, fi- yeah, finally fighting a giant mechanical spider. Finally, for the, yeah, for the first time in what 30 years that thing was supposed to come out. Pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Uh, and Matt, I, I know we did the cage cask and it was, you know, a lot of, you know, revelations in that cast. I think you look, I think you look pretty good as Superman. I'd kind of want to watch that movie. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. I did too with his long hair, but that's, you know, that's that. Death of Superman, Reign of Superman, Superman reincarnated look back then. I'm mm-hmm. fine with it. That, I mean, that wasn't so out of possibility. Superman looked like that back then, but yeah, the '90s Superman. I don't just yeah. Cage looked good there. I'm with you. He that looked pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, fight, and fighting. Yeah, that, that that whole little moment that, that was that, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, it was. But it kind of becomes uh, too much, and Barry 1.0. Uh, you know, he kind of realizes that the only way to fix all of this mess, the timelines converging, collapsing, all the death, all the destruction, I got to go back and take that candid tomato sauce out of the shopping cart. Yep. I got to tell you, it might be my favorite my favorite scene of the movie, which is him in like this weird disguise, goes and has this odd conversation with his mother who warmly embraces him, this stranger, this derelict of society. Uh and tells him everything's going to be okay. And dude, he breaks down. And then before he yeah. does, he walks, he walks out and takes that tomato, uh, that canned tomato sauce out. And I thought that was a pretty fantastic scene. Again, like the inception of it all. Yeah. 
Now, he does do something outside of this, which is, okay, the tomato sauce, I didn't just put it back in the same spot. I'm actually going to put it up higher. Okay, I mean, we learned a lesson, and then we're kind of not learning the lesson at the same time. Somehow, this is the the better of the scenarios that he's going to see play out, which is if I can catch dad on the security cam, maybe he won't spend the whole life his whole life in prison and I'll have uh, a parent, right? Yes, exactly. What do you think of that? I like thematically, I like what it does. Uh, timeline wise, it kind of makes no sense to what we just went through. It doesn't, but don't you think that Ezra Miller has played Flash a little bit reckless from time to time? Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think that Flash is by the book. These are the rules we're going to follow. I think he's maybe rebellious at, at the greatest cause and yeah. a little reckless. Yeah, well, but the most conservative cause. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And I think the real, I understand why he does it too. I'll give him that. Like I get it. I want my dad's face on the camera so that I can fix this. But you're right. He does kind of shrug off, I guess Mm -hmm. the lessons that he's just watched nearly several universes collapse upon themselves because he wouldn't follow the directions that had been given to him by two different Batman. Really? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So stubborn, reckless, rebellious all those things but that's i think that's ezra miller and and his iteration of this flash anyway so yeah yeah but but yeah it's a mistake (laughs) it's clearly a mistake it it seems like an odd move i thought after we just i felt like we learned something really poignant but thematically i like what it, it offers it offers hey now i get to have a timeline existence where my dad isn't in prison the whole time mom still dies if that's the moment the canon event matt uh, yeah. if mom's dying caused all that chaos, she still has to die, but why can't I still have my father? And, uh, it's still going to have some ramifications, Mr. Barry. Uh, it is. they have the, they have the court case that they have the video where he looks up, he has the evidence, the evidence to, um, to acquit him and he's going to get out. Uh, it's, it's a pretty great moment for Barry. Him and Iris make a plan for, uh, to go, 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 go have dinner, and then we get a moment, and this was the moment, Matt, that broke the, the movie theater. And it was something that I theorized on months ago. But he gets a call from Bruce Wayne of like, Barry, where the hell are you? Is that? And you can barely hear him. And then he this like Rolls Royce pulls up. The media's swarming. And then Bruce Wayne gets out, but it's not Ben Affleck. It's not Michael Keaton. It's Mr. George Clooney returning in the role of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. What did you think of that? What was, what was your just like instant reaction when you saw that? Not a great Batman, but all sins are forgiven and good job. Nice callback because two things have happened. Number one, you've Mm -hmm. given us the other Batman that everybody wanted to see. We all want to see Kilmer, but that's not really doable right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you also realize, Oh shit, there's still more work to be done. He's still, things aren't quite all the way right yet. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great ending. I mean, there's a lot of discussion and the articles that I sent you, yeah. essentially this is the third ending that they shot for this film. Yeah. They screened all three of them. The well, first ending had the jail ache rushing in. Yeah. The second ending we'll get to here in a minute. But well, the first one I, had, I'm good with it, man. Yeah, the I'm fir- good with it. Yeah, the first one had uh, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, and all the usual suspects, right? And I guess they have, yeah. a, they have a moment on the steps of the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I can't remember what the second one was. But yeah, they, you're right. This is the third one. It seems like it was filmed very late in the game. Well, the second one is Ben Affleck. Oh, Ben Ben gets out. Okay. 
Yeah, but that was, if you noticed in the credits, Ben Affleck's name is not in this film at all. Really? Get my name no, because off those he, credits. <laughs> they, they wrote him out yeah. after he went on a couple shows and said, I'm done with Batman, I'm tired of this bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Like, he shot his mouth off with all that stuff we were talking about. I don't want to be in the cowl anymore. I'm tired of working these long hours days. They erased him completely. He's not even mentioned in the credits at all. And this is the moment where after this had been shot, he went and ran his mouth. And so they went back and said, nope, that's gone too. You're out also, buddy, and you're not even in the credits. That's and wild. that's when they decided to go with Clooney. What I like about the Clooney thing is, of course, it's a huge fan service moment, but I think that's an interesting Birdman come to Jesus moment for him too of like, he knows he's in the worst Batman movie. Famously, he said, if you ever run into him on the street and say, hey, Batman Robin sucked, he'll give you money for your ticket back. Uh, (laughs) So I think this is him realizing, hey, I have an opportunity to be in a, a good production compared to mine. Uh, mm-hmm. in a way that the fans might embrace versus hate. Hey, I'm all for it. I always said I thought he would have been with the right material would have been, he should have been the perfect Batman. It's just that that project and, we did an episode on it is a nightmare. It's horrible. Yeah. He had nothing to work with on that. He also would have been a great 007. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not now, but back in his, back in his heyday, he would have been great at either one of those roles. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I like that. I like that he shows up. It's not, doesn't write all the sins. Oh yeah. If anything, it makes everything a little more confusing as to where this is going to go forward, especially if we're doing a hard reboot. But uh, as a fan, yeah. I'm going for it. And like I said, the, 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 the theater went like, they were like, Oh, they couldn't, they, there was a palpable gasp in the audience of like, they can't believe Clooney is on the screen in a Batman capacity. Yeah. That happened in my theater too. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. And then, and then applause. Yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, yep. we got credits. Uh, we have to watch that service dog fall for the entire credits. And I was like, Oh yeah, that happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and then we get, and I'm just going to throw this out there, Matt, you can debate me on it if you want. Uh, okay. the worst end credit scene of any superhero movie ever. Hmm. I don't, I know this Ooh. is, I know this is trying to set up, you know, Arthur Curry's still here and he's going to be an Aquaman. Cause you know, we didn't mention, but like our Arthur Curry didn't even exist in uh, his version of the, of the story. Yeah. Uh, but they leave a bar and he's drunk and he's drooling and slurring and falling asleep in puddles, essentially not telling anybody anything about what's coming or it was just kind of felt like a gag that you waited seven to eight minutes for. Uh, Tony Stark talking to Mark Ruffalo in the therapist chair in Iron Man 3 is really freaking bad too. Uh, yeah. But th- this one, I was like, everyone, I think, can skip it. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know if I can. I, I'd have to look at all of them as far as the worst. Uh, God, that seems like a whatever te- Avengers seems- movie where they're sitting there eating the shawarma. I thought was pretty weak too, but <laughs> that seems like um, a tedious job to go back and rewatch all the end credit scenes. <laughs> probably be a whole whole movie's worth of footage, though. Honestly, yeah. At this point, yeah, there's got to be uh, eighty minutes there. I guess it poses a question, doesn't it? And that's if when he was trying to rally a team to go against Zod, mm-hmm. where was the efforts to find Arthur Curry? Well, no, he called him. Remember, he calls his dad, and his dad does not have a wife that looks like Nicole Kidman. And so then secondarily, 
as he's not there, how do they end up in a bar together? Well, I think he went back to his original timeline, right? Well, okay, so now this is where we start to get into... Oh, yeah. In, in his original timeline with George Clooney as Batman and Dad looking at the top shelf, so now Arthur Curry is... In a, I don't know. We're getting, mm, yeah, we're getting in, we're, get, we're getting into a cat married Peggy. What? <laughs> just, okay, so maybe I'm with you then. Yeah, like that is actually now that I really think about it and add that to it, that's a pretty bad end credit scene. It did nothing. It didn't move the story forward at all. It just reminded us. Oh yeah, Aquaman's still around. Yeah, Aquaman's coming, uh, and that movie is probably going to bomb. The trench is not going to be what we hoped it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I was just sitting there. I was like, yeah, maybe we'll see another Batman. Maybe we'll see uh, well somebody right. Uh, uh, but no, yeah, we, we we get none of that. They could have drawn from the Titans. They could have used that Nightwing from the Titans series. There's places they could have gone. Uh, yeah, or show anyway. They didn't show a teaser for this new Joker movie. Don't even show anything. Just show me a clip of another movie. How about that? Yeah, yeah. How about that? That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, as a way to tease out something you're possibly looking forward to. Uh, yeah, good but, idea. But that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the Flash. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't need to get into the weeds with Ezra Miller's uh, shenanigans. Go look it up. It's a freaking rap sheet of debauchery and grooming and assault and drug and, yeah. you know, weapon use. And the, the, the thesis at the end of the day, in my opinion, is that guy needs, he, you know, he needs a lot of mental help uh, yeah. and he, he, he can't be making movies anymore in that capacity. So the natural inclination no, no. going forward is obviously we're recasting the flash, right? It would seem to be. Yeah. Although the director did come out and says, I don't see a way going forward in the series with that Ezra Miller on board. So again, dude, that's insane. It's, well, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's just, there's a whole legal process that's going to prevent that from happening. Yeah. He, he's serving time either in incarcerated or in a rehab facility or in <laughs> some other facility. Right. Uh, yeah, man. It's just, yeah. you're not getting the same actor back to play that in the way he did. I mean, he, he went through a lot of stuff. It, it, it was what it was wasn't great and it, it, I think it put a uh, kind of a nasty poison on this movie uh mm. I there might be a, a percentage of audience out there was like I'm not gonna go see that movie because that has a crazy person in it yeah that's fair so going forward yeah they're gonna have to do something with this character because you can't just not do anything with him but hey guys you got Grant Gustin just over there wrapped up his TV show ready for the call so give him a buzz there you go. But Matt, what's your favorite tasting note, uh, scene, sequence, moment of The Flash? Uh, I'm going to kind of break the rules on this a little bit and go with a whole series of sequences, and it's that battle with Zod, battle that we didn't get in Man of Steel. Um, I just thought that the action pieces in that were really a lot of fun, and I can't say that about a lot of DC films, but it was fun. It was oh, fun no. watching that version of the Batwing rotate and try to get Nom to fly off. It was fun watching the two berries learn how to get traction off each other and run their little, it, it, it was just it was really well done and almost a little too late because it, I think that second act was so long and so devoid of real flash action. Yeah. But, uh, and then, uh, car L versus Zod itself was a battle that I shockingly cared, cared about way more than I cared about Superman and Zod. So that yeah. whole bit was for it was, it would be it for me. Awesome. Uh, mine, obviously. Him coming out in the suit, I'm Batman, a moment 30 yeah. years in the making. It's He sounds great. as the, He's always sounded good as Batman. 
looks great. I like this version of the suit. I'm going to have to pre-order the Sideshow Collectibles six-scale figure of it because it looked awesome. Mm. You're going to have to order that, yeah. There you go. So what do you have for the... Oh, my God! Moment of the Flash. Uh, it's got to be Nick Cage, doesn't it? It's got to be Nick Cage showing up finally. Oh, oh, my God, in a good way? Yeah. Oh, look at you. Yeah. I, I literally did say that. Yeah. I said, oh, my God. I, did you know that was going to be in there? That no. hit me totally. I, I knew th- I knew there was a possibility that there was going to be a swath of cameos that would, you know, kind of tickle our, our geek bone and be like, wow, I can't believe they included that. It was the stuff I was expecting in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, like more than just the Illuminati that we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my oh my God. Yeah, so how, good one for me. Yeah, great choice. How can I not go with uh, babies falling from the sky? Uh, you just you <laughs> yeah. got a baby in the microwave. Uh, you just uh, horrible way to start the movie. I, I can't think of a worse way to introduce your character in heroic action than that nonsense. Uh, good thing you know, I think the film for the most part kind of found some legs and kind of got away from all of that. But Jesus Christ, who's the master? Just uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't. It's it's bad. Uh, we talked about it. It's- <laughs> Again, you kind of ruined our introduction into the Flash's powers by throwing babies from top story of a high rise. And you know how I feel about that. Never, rarely, should mm-hmm. I say, do they let babies die on screen. So again, mm-hmm. we know you're going to save these babies. Let's go get on with it. Yeah. Thank you for backing me up. Uh, <laughs> so, sure. Uh, who's the master distiller on the Flash? Oh boy. Okay. So this is a bit odd. I'm going to go with Ezra Miller as flash 2.0. Okay. I thought showing some range from what we saw through two films as 1.0 and sort of designing that version of the flash and then still becoming what the flash will be, but in a different version of Wally West was, a credit to understanding that character and having some range or at least being able to be directed in a way where I bought that they were the same, but different. There's a weird circular action that's happening with those two flashes. If you think about it, you go from empowered flash Mm 1.0 to without powers, Barry Allen 1.0 from Barry Allen without powers 2.0 to flash 2.0 at the same time. Mm-hmm. The way that rotation is happening yeah. is, is a cool moment in the film, I think, but you got to make me believe that the second Ezra Miller, Barry Allen's flash is not just a reheated version of the first one. Yeah. And like I said, I think that takes some range and some, at least knowing the character or being creative enough to try something that worked out. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's he's interesting. Yeah, like and I said, like I think like the creme de la creme of that is the kind of weird flash bat suit that he puts together. Yeah, kind of fits his whole right. shtick, right? Yeah, I got to pick Keaton. It's you know, I thought he was great. Sure. He reminded me why I liked his version of the character, the presence, the just the bad energy that he exudes. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked like he was having fun. I mean. I think there's a lot more they could have done with the character, uh, just, you know, expanding some of, you know, how did he end up in this state? You know, what does he want out of all this other than just like wanting to just assist for the greater good? But 
he's great. Uh, it's it's a moment. Uh, I I think I'm really kind of pissed off now because they did cancel that Batgirl movie, and mm. he had a pretty pretty big part in it. Uh, and I think that's one of those gap stories that kind of lead uh, led to this. So, yeah, I know, right? I I just. I don't care if it was bad or unwatchable or whatever. I mean, I think J.K. Simmons was playing Commissioner Gordon in that movie. I mean, th- there was some okay stuff there. Yeah, that would have been all right. Who was going to be Batgirl? Do you know? Uh, she she was an unknown in my book, uh, but I think oh. it was pretty interesting. Brendan Fraser was playing Firefly. Uh, yeah, th- 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 there was something there, but uh, other things went on behind the scenes. It was kind of more of that changing of the guard, wipe it, clean slate, write it off type of thing. Mm. Too bad. How are you going to rate and grade The Flash? We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Tippy Top Shelf. Where are you going this week? Call Plus. Good, solid Call Plus. Uh, look, anything that DC does that's out of the rot gut to well category is a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. I think this movie had some things working against it from the get-go. It managed to mitigate some of the damage that I think directorially may have been handled with someone with a little bit more expertise or maybe familiarity or, or veteran leadership. But all that being said, it was a really entertaining movie. I didn't walk out of there like I needed to find a therapist uh, with the morosity and the just grim nature of it. Uh, I found characters that I liked. The Keaton thing absolutely helped. It's a callback to a much better time for the entire Warner Brothers DC franchise. And other than the lag in the second act that took too long and some of the, like, like the baby's falling and the service dog and a couple other things here and there, I found it to be a fairly entertaining film. Mm-hmm. Call plus for me. Uh, good job, DC. It's a shame that this is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald and uh, we have nowhere to go with this now oh. because we're changing guard. <laughs> you, said good, <laughs> you said good job, DC. I think it's going to snow now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go call right down the middle. Uh, I think there's okay. things this film does uh, really well. I think there's a few things it does pretty bad, uh, mostly on the the look front. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I think there's some things that are just downright ugly. Uh, the baby falling babies of it all. Uh, but yeah. I think there's some good fan service moments in here. I think it does enough to give us a flash film that's interesting. It somehow rectifies the Man of Steel debacle that I still have. Uh, it, it, it just paints it in a better light uh, is a better way to put it. But, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's a, it's a good, enjoyable time. It's nowhere near as good as the multiverse uh, Strange of Madness, Spider-Man No Way Home, or uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Those are superior films. But... I, yeah. don't, I don't think this is a bad watch. Uh, I'd rather watch this over Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman 84, uh, Aquaman. Uh, yeah, I think this is one worth checking out, especially, you know, if you're nostalgic about a lot of these DC properties. I can't argue with any of that. I think we're both see it pretty close to the same. So, you know what? Yeah. Anything, like I said, that's above the rock or the well markings for DC in the last, year year and a half is it's pretty remarkable so give them credit where it's due there you go raise it to them and let's wrap this thing up with a nightcap
you know you're going to bring out that Danny Elfman Batman music back into this, and I'm going to get goosebumps instantly. <laughs> right, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anyone out there has you know, played, I've talked about them in a pretty good fashion on the podcast before, but the Batman Arkham Knight game, it was the final Arkham game that they made. They introduced the Keaton suit and the Keaton mobile as uh, skins, like, you know, versions you could use throughout the game. And yeah, just watching Batman run around in that suit with that Batmobile, it was awesome. It was, that was so cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nightcap this week, you know, talking about that big scene in the speed force where we get all those great cameos across all DC media fronts. Uh, simple question for you. What's the biggest one that you wanted to see there that you didn't get? You kind of teased it out earlier, sort of stole my thunder a little bit, but I don't need a lot with zoom or the reverse flash, but I thought we had an opportunity that might have, gone by the wayside in all of those versions of timeline possibilities. There had to have been one where he at least caught a glimpse of who murdered his mom. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do any good to really go back to that point because that's so late in the, in the game. I don't know if that fixes what he's trying to undo, Mm -hmm. but even if it's just briefly like mom falls over and we see something yellow streak out the door, something like that. Okay. It doesn't even need to be full on frontal. Here's the reverse flash, but you know, that is a lot of people might say captain cold. And I guess I can get with that sort of too, but mm-hmm. that is his arch nemesis. Yeah. And Be pretty cool. You know, we like, yeah, it would have been pretty cool. So that's the one that I wanted was a villainy one. Do you want Tom Kavanaugh? Um, <laughs> okay, that's a really good question. So you bring up an interesting point. Yes, I do. Tom Kavanaugh makes that show go. For all of the silly characters that they've had to shoehorn in mm-hmm. mid-seasons in that because they're like, yeah, this is languishing without Tom Kavanaugh. He's a terrific... Dude, fate of words and phrases that have never been uttered ever. This is this is lagging a little bit because of a lack of Tom Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah, he saved that series more than one occasion, and he really made that first season shine. Oh, yeah, he's class, he's so fantastic yeah. in that first season. Mm-hmm. Great choice, yep. great choice. Thank you. Uh, mine, uh, what do you got? I'm going to kind of erase one and implant another. Uh, I think the Jay Garrick speed cameo is pretty good, but like a lot of people are like, oh, well, who is that other than a vintage-looking Flash? Uh I think they could have done a really cool way to tie in the television universe uh, in this moment. And, you know, we can do we can do Grant Gustin. Uh, I actually heard that was a rumored cameo that got cut from this film, which mm. I, what the reasoning for that beyond me. Uh, yeah. But give me Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. Yeah. Uh, yep. as a way to make amends with this great multiverse work that they've already done on that television show. And how's Greg Berlanti yeah. not getting called by Warner Brothers to run this thing? See, that's yeah, that's what I thought too. He's right there. Yeah, exactly. Perplexing, because I, I think he did a really great job juggling four television shows, doing crossover events in a way that they actually do on in comic books, which is you got to go read Flash and then read Supergirl and then go read uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow and then you get the full story, right? Right. 
Um, but he was the one that started it all. It was the Arrow show with, um, yeah, Oliver Queen there. And I think just a little glimpse of that would have been enough to say, at least acknowledge it or allude that we can tap from this going forward. Like that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, at the, you know, I'd have loved to have seen Christian Bale uh, appear as Batman, but what, what did I tell you? Uh, he took, he told these guys to go pound sand the second they called <laughs> Yeah, he probably wouldn't have anything to do with them anymore. Yeah. But that's that's probably something that he's told many a producer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not uncommon. Okay. Do I have to play you the the Terminator leaked uh, audio footage for you? <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, well, excellent, Matt. It's been a lot of fun. We knew this one would run long. It's just a lot to talk about with these superheroes and multiverses and fan moments and yeah. cameos. It's just, it's always very busy. Um, but yeah, it's in theaters right now. Go check it out. Uh, if you so desire, uh, and we'll keep this train churning along, uh, Matt, we got a big film coming out, uh, in two weeks, uh, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Mm-hmm. What's been said is the final appearance, not only by Harrison Ford, but I guess he's been saying the characters dying with him. And so the final Indiana Jones film while we're at it, uh, okay, good. Uh, yeah, this is a big one on our box office predictions. This was number one on, I think both of our lit. Oh no, you had Oppenheimer. And then I think you had Jones number two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a big one in play for us. Uh, no Steven Spielberg, uh, in, uh, we have James Mangold in the director's chair. Uh, I have no idea what this movie's about, but before we get there, we're going to return, uh, to our summer box office hall of wood. And we got to talk about a little film from 2008, Highly anticipated, and I could not have been more disappointed. Uh, we can debate next week if Prometheus or this film disappointed me more when I saw it. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oy, boy, oh boy, okay. We ran into each other at the midnight screening of this film. We sure did. Yeah, and we had some words to say instantly. I, I remember yours verbatim. I will repeat them next week. Uh, but <laughs> okay. man, is this a film you've revisited since then? I've only seen clips since, uh, that initial midnight screening. Yeah. I've seen the original screening and I haven't seen another moment since to be honest with you. So this next time will be time two for me. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Maybe uh, this is why I wanted to do this cast. Cause maybe if we go in with tempered expectations, maybe we might be a little surprised that it wasn't as bad as we remembered. Well, you're sure uh, hanging your hopes on a star here, buddy. But okay, no, I'll, right, hang, we'll see. I'll hang my hopes on a nuke uh, on a nuked out fridge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to be a wild conversation, and then yeah, we'll dive into Dial of Destiny the week after that to let people have a week to digest that without any spoilers. But you got that coming to you, uh, Matt. I'm raising um, a glass to you. Here's a glass to you. Cheers. Uh, hey, I got to get going. Cheers. I got to go find a, a tattoo removal artist. I got to get this Eric Stoltz tat off my calf. While you do that, see if you can't find me a stylist, because I know of Bruce Wayne who's in bad need of a manscaping makeover real bad. All righty. <laughs> Excellent, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We will see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. The Flash is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, DC Studios, 
Double Dream, and The Disco Factory, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Are you ready? Ready. Let's go. You have fancy friends. You know, it was an Uber. Oh, exactly.